This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We have an absolutely monster show for you today. CFL free agency is underway, and uh, there is some head-spinning news from around the league. We're going to get into that with John Hodge of Three Down Nation coming up in just a few minutes. The Winnipeg Jets are finally back at it tonight. And fans, well, more than 250 of them will finally be back in the building. Cannot wait to get downtown to Canada Life Centre tonight and take in the game. Huge game for the Winnipeg Jets. And that uh, hill just became a little steeper with the news late yesterday that both Pierre-Luc Dubois and Neil Pionk, along with Austin Pognanski, have tested positive for COVID-19 and will not be in the lineup tonight. So lots of CFL news, lots of bomber news. And I am incredibly excited to welcome in Manitoba's own three-time defending Scotty's champion, Carrie Anerson of the Anerson team. She'll join us in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. We'll talk about making three in a row, another week in the bubble, and a look ahead to the World Championships for a team that is doing their best to uh, rewrite their own pages in Canadian women's curling history. So it's going to be a great show today. Great to have you all with us. Lots to get you right off the top, but first, got to thank the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day. Could not do it without you. Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. So, uh, John Hodge coming up a little bit later on. We will talk Jets. We'll talk curling. And we certainly have to get to that amazing hockey game last night between Canada and the United States and women's hockey at the Olympics. Let's get Remus in here to get the festivities going as we uh, as we welcome everybody to the chat. What's going on, folks? Great to have you all with us on YouTube. Podcast listeners. If you can, do us a favor, hit us up with a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and throw in a five-star rating for your boys, if you don't mind. Reno, what, Reno what's going on? Uh, so I'm feverishly trying to keep up with all of the news today as I bring myself onto the screen. What's up, everyone? I'm trying to keep track of it. The CFL free agency kicked off at 11, although a lot of the signings kind of leaked before Greg Ellingson announcing it himself, retweeting the Three Down Nation report that he would be coming to Winnipeg. I know Jeff was on it too. Paul Friesen doing a fantastic job keeping track of it. You know, if you're going to lose Kenny Law or Greg Ellingson was a top guy a couple years ago in Ottawa. Uh, you know, last year I thought he had a bit of a down year in Edmonton. Their whole team had a down year. I mean, who's their quarterback? Taylor Cornelius Forbidden. You know, I watched some of their games and I'm watching them with scream like, throw it to Ellingson. Why aren't they using him more? It was... He had some good games, but some games where he didn't get the ball. So I think he'll be great in the Bombers offense. Uh, him and Claris, they played together in Hamilton. I Did, did you know that? Because uh, 2014. I'm, more I'm more familiar with Ellingson uh, on the Red Blacks. Uh, that yeah, version, they, got, but... they got started there together. Um, mm -hmm. But I believe it was just for the one season. And then Ellingson had uh, moved on and, of course, was a huge part of the Ottawa Red Blacks. And then, of course, the Edmonton Elks. Um, and, you know, he had said when he signed in Edmonton, it basically came down to a coin flip between Winnipeg and Edmonton. And, uh, you know, I guess looking at the team that raised the Great Cup the last couple of seasons, he uh, was trying to uh, write a decision that uh, was made in the wrong fashion 
a few years ago. Um, oh, listen, Ellingson's going to be a nice addition to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But man, Reem, I mean, the story of the day, and we knew that this was likely to happen, was not about the Bombers signing a ton of guys on the open market, but probably losing a bunch. And, um, you know, it started with Kenny Lawler, who's reportedly getting a $300,000 contract from the Elks. Um, no one's going to blame Kenny after just an amazing season here in Winnipeg and securing the bag, as they say. Uh, but we're seeing a number of other Bombers uh, go elsewhere. Uh, Alden Darby moving on. Uh, and of course, Darvin Adams uh, reportedly moving on to the Ottawa Red Blacks, who have been a busy, busy team, Remus, and dare I say, might actually be competitive, borderline good next year with all the talent that they've added. Yeah, I really like what Ottawa's doing. They got the Masoli Ackland connection from Hamilton. Uh, Darvin Adams, uh, they brought in, you said Alden Darby, and they got some other other uh, guys as well in Ottawa. So, I mean, it was pretty hard to be as bad as they were last season. And, uh, you know, they've made some other moves. Oh, Shaq Johnson, receiver they got. So they got some receivers now. Oh, William Powell. They have a completely remodeled offense. Uh, yeah, Kwaku, Botang, Patrick Levels. So they got, you know, got some help on defense and on offense. So uh, Paul Lapolice has a real CFL quarterback this year. There's, I mean, it's a lot, lot going on. One tweet, you know, speaking of uh, CFL quarterbacks, the former Bombers quarterback, Matt Nichols, um, I think he's, I saw Farhan and Dave Naylor talking about that. He's kind of contemplating if he wants to uh, continue playing. Was in Ottawa last year. So I'm trying to keep track of all this, Huss. It is, uh, it's very tough. Yeah, uh, as you said, uh, we've got the Three Down Nation ticker going. Uh, we've got TSN up. We've got, like many people, trying to follow this, about 15 different tabs on the computer right now following CFL yeah. free agency. Um, but we'll get to that all coming up with uh, with John Hodge in um, no, about 15 minutes or so if you're with us live on YouTube right now. Um, Remo, let's talk Jets for a minute. Um, you know, Listen, we knew the team was getting back together at practice yesterday, and I said, well... Let's just hope Kyle Connor makes it okay and is, you know, here and not on the list because, man, they're going to need him. Well, the good news is Kyle Connor's in. The bad news is that Pierre-Luc Dubois and Neil Pionk are not in tonight. And, uh, man, just another um, issue for the Winnipeg Jets going into, you know, five straight games in the Central Division where I don't think it's hyperbole to say they need to start winning and start winning now if they want to salvage this season and play meaningful games in a month and two months getting closer to the playoffs. Yeah, that was um, tough news. Like right after the show yesterday, uh, you know, I put up the podcast. Oh, there's the news. Um, who was it? Uh, you know, those guys, Dubois, Pionk, in the protocols, Pogansky, and they made some call-ups. So, I mean, that's a real tough break for the Jets. You know, you want to get off to a good start and try to salvage the season you're already behind the eight ball and you know you're missing your number one center and you're missing your number you know one scoring d um here are the lines for today show to scott billick for putting these for putting these out there uh stasny shafley wheeler connor cop perfetti svechnikov lowry reichel harkins tony natto veselin and morrissey demello dylan schmidt hala kovacevic uh, dylan chisholm was working as the seventh d today and uh, Hellbuck starting in goal. So this is your lineup tonight against Minnesota. And, you know, Cole Perfetti, I mean, he's here to stay, Huss. I mean, Ehlers out, and they gave an update, said he's, you know, could be two weeks, could be a month away. They really, uh, really don't know. Um, and, you know, maybe Dubois back this weekend, Pionk, who, who knows? So 
Uh, but this is who you have tonight. You know, you're going to need your top guys to be going. You're also, I think, going to need some contributions from the bottom guys because there hasn't been much offense. For, you know, as much as we've talked about Mark Shifley not playing up to the level we think he's capable of, I think in terms of depth scoring, it just hasn't been there for the Jets this season. So they're in a real, you know, real tough spot. And, you know, Connor, he's done it with Dubois. I'll have to do it now with Cop uh, and Perfetti. So Cop getting uh, elevated to the second line center. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I think Kopp has been a driver uh, of a line all season long. I mean, the connection that he's had with Dubois um, has really, you know, it's blossomed into a heck of a pairing and a heck of a line. And the way Cole Perfetti's fit in with those two players um, has been exactly what the Winnipeg Jets needed. But listen, for all the talk about Mark Scheifele over the last little while, this is a guy that could change the narrative pretty damn quick by putting this team on his back tonight, having a monster game and helping his team get a massive two points. Uh, because without Pierre-Luc Dubois in the lineup, the spotlight on 55 is going to be even brighter. I imagine he'll play even more. And Dave Lowry's going to lean on him more as the number one center on the team in the lineup right now to help them get a win. And, you know, I know yesterday after practice, uh, Lowry spoke about it. Blake Wheeler spoke. Connor Hellebuck talked. Um, you know, they realized you can't go out and win 10 in a row tonight. Um, it's got to start with one game and it's got to start with a performance that can be duplicated, that they can perform consistently. And a lot of it is going to be handling business in their own end. It's going to be attention to deal detail on the defensive side of things. It's going to be managing the puck a hell of a lot better than the team did for the most part in the first 42 games. And it's going to be everybody showing up and pulling on the same rope. And um, listen, I realize that there is going to be a lot of attention on Mark Shifley tonight. And really, I said it yesterday on the program, Reem. I mean, going into tonight's game, and this is before we knew that PLD wasn't going to be available. I mean, I'm going to be looking at two guys, the two guys that are probably the most important for the Winnipeg Jets to get going in the right direction. And if you are someone that is still holding out hope that this season can be salvaged and, you know, they can make a challenge to get into the postseason, it's going to start with those two guys. Connor Hellebuck, the last line of defense, the best player for the last number of years here for the Winnipeg Jets, needs to be that guy. Um, he hasn't always been that at this point, and now's the time. If they ever needed a big Connor Hellebuck performance, tonight would be a great start. And, of course, with Mark Shifley. And, um, you know, Shifley's been the franchise player here for a long time, the number one center this season. hasn't gone that well for him personally, and certainly not for the team, and I think they're very closely correlated. Um, but yeah, you want to change the narrative? You want people to be talking about other things? Go out and have a monster game tonight against a very tough opponent in the Minnesota Wild. Get a win and start off this second half of the season a hell of a lot better than the first half going into the All-Star break ended with that unfortunate loss against the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, and that's been the story this season. You have a game like the one against St. Louis where the team looks pretty good. They're doing all the right things, and then you go out and lose to one of the few opponents who's, uh, you know, behind you in the standings in Philadelphia. And whether it's, you know, what was it, the loss to Buffalo or the game to game against Arizona, the Vimelka game, we all remember. I mean, this team has been losing, you know, teams that are below them and teams that they should beat or we think they should beat. And, you know, the odds makers uh, think that they should beat. And, uh, you know, that's just not a recipe for playoff success. And, uh, you know, there's a number of issues with this team, but uh, if your best players aren't being your best players, like the two the guys that you mentioned, um, you know, it's going to be tough for you to put wins on the board. And, I mean, they're again, they're in a pretty tough spot here. You know, already up without Ehlers. Then you're missing Dubois, who's been a monster, and Pionk as well. 
but you know we've seen crazier things and I don't even know what I don't know what the uh, what the line is, but I'm assuming the Jets are going to be a uh, a home dog, right? I actually have. A uh, yeah, yeah, they are. They are a home dog. We'll get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on. I mean, Minnesota, I think, was nine on one one heading into the break. Um, you just have to hope that maybe Cam Talbert and Kaprizov are all tuckered out from, you know, the All Star festivities, and um, you know maybe the team just doesn't hit the ground running like they did, like they were going into the break mitch um by the way mitch uh, give him a follow at uh, uh winnipeg hockey talk he's got a uh you know a couple great pieces lately on the uh, current plight of the winnipeg jets but he asked in chat ream how long before dave lowry goes to connor shifley wheeler um and listen i know that is like a radioactive topic on this uh, uh on this program and in the city uh because of how much paul maurice leaned on that line um they haven't played together yet under dave lowry but I'll be honest, Remus, if it happened tonight, I could totally understand it. Um, you know, you don't have Nikolai Ehlers and you don't have Pierre-Luc Dubois. And there are going to be times where I think Dave Lowry, given the assets and the players that he has on hand, is going to need to throw out his best players to give them the best opportunity to score goals. And, um, you know, that group has had some success in the past. They're going to definitely need to handled their business in their own end, especially if they're playing, if they come together and they're playing top line minutes and top line matchups. Um, you know, I've got some time for Cole Perfetti, maybe getting an opportunity. You know, if you were going to put Shifley in with Connor, maybe Perfetti on that side and, you know, allow Blake Wheeler to play with Cop and potentially Stasny. Um, but listen, I mean, just to answer the question for Mitch, I wouldn't at all be surprised if we saw 81, 55 and 26 at some point this evening. And, um, I won't be one being mad online about it. I think it'll be important for them to squeeze everything they can out of this lineup. And, you know, given the situation, it might not be the worst thing to get some guys that have scored together because they're going to need to put a few past the Minnesota Wild goaltender if they're going to get two points. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, you don't have you don't have Ehlers, you don't have Dubois. I mean, those two of your top offensive players, like what what else are you supposed to do? So, you know, it's not working. You know that it has worked before, although maybe they give up a bit too well, much. And, and Mitch makes a great yeah. point. Mitch makes a great point. I mean, if you recall, and you know, a lot of people, depending on what side of the narrative you're on, might not want to get to this, but I mean, that line was playing great before Blake Wheeler got hurt. Yeah. I mean, I think Wheeler had 10 points in the final five games, and that game in particular against Vancouver was their best game of the season. So... Listen, I'm not expecting that you just snap your fingers, put these guys back together, and they look like the Harlem Globetrotters against a good team like the Minnesota Wild tonight. Um, but as I said, I mean, given the players at hand and what Dave Lowry has to work with tonight and the stakes for this hockey team, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they put those guys together and, uh, you know, maybe some familiarity, familiarity will help them, uh, help them out, get things going. But as it stands, it looks like it's going to be Stastny along with Shifley and Wheeler to get going, and then Kyle Connor playing with Andrew Kopp and Cole Perfetti. And this is a big opportunity for Kopp. I mean, Kopp has some nice point numbers. I think he's fourth in scoring green, but he had that hot, hot start back when the Jets had a hot, hot start as well. He has really cooled down over the course of the last couple months as opposed to that, you know, crazy bar that he set uh, for point production earlier in the season. Um, maybe a move to center and the opportunity to play with the likes of a Connor and Cole Perfetti might be great for uh, for Andrew Kopp. And listen, I know we harp a lot about the the top six and the top couple lines and who's going to be scoring. 
uh, anytime the third or fourth line wants to chip in with one would be greatly appreciated. And uh, tonight would be a great night for that. Nice to see Svechnikov back in the lineup. Still wondering how he sort of fell out of favor or ended up outside uh, the lineup in the press box a few times. Hopefully we'll see a really motivated Svechnikov come out uh, with a great deal of energy because that's something the Jets have been lacking as of late. Um, and as I said, maybe popping in uh, something offensively would be a wonderful way for Svechnikov to remind Dave Lowry that he's a good option and stay in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. And I think that comes back down to bottom six scoring. You know, they haven't really had a reliable line in terms of one that can put the puck in the net, maybe chip in a little offense, but have that, uh, you know, pin the other team in their own end. Just like, you know, we all remember the Lowry, what, Lowry cop. Tan Evline or Lowry, Appleton, Cop, you know, those are some great, you know, third lines and they just don't have, uh, don't have the depth. So we're just hoping for something, anything from those guys, you know, to put, uh, you know, put the, you know, put the Jets on the board. I mean, I was looking at the lines has just, I know we're going to get to all of them later, but the Jets just trying to illustrate they're an underdog here, plus 125 and Dom at the Athletic gives them a 40.6 uh percent chance to win so you know public backing or not public you know the odds makers backing uh minnesota and we'll wait and see connor hellebuck uh, i believe uh cam cam talbot and when you talk about andrew andrew cop he's actually been you know pretty solid i mean october nine points in eight games november eight and 14 so a bit of a slower november december it was really slowed down three points in eight but he kind of picked it back up in january with eight points in 11 games and you know the one game in february with uh no no points but uh you know looking to get it going here a lot of, you know has, i don't know if you knew this but what is it 41 game for 80 game 40 40 games in 80 days what is it 40 and 81 40 yeah, i and do know that you don't know that you should write it down right, I keep or, getting, right on the list i keep getting i should have it like pinned to my desk i keep getting confused is it 40 and 81 or 41 and 80 no unfortunately it's 40 and 81 <laughs> Uh, because the Jets have played 42. I mean, I, this is just nuts. I mean, looking at the standings in the Central uh, Division, the Jets go into tonight's game 16 points back of the Minnesota Wild, and the Wild have a game in hand. I mean, uh, that is just such a massive chasm. The Wild are 28-10-3 on the season. And that's only good enough for third place in the division. Now, they are one point back in Nashville, and they've got five games in hand. So certainly by points percentage, they're far, far ahead of Nashville. Um, and really, they would be the closest you know, contenders to the Colorado Avalanche, who are 32-8-4 and four on the season for 68 points. I mean, you know, the bottom line is the Jets are 18-17-7. and seven. You play at that rate, you're probably picking about 7th or 8th in the draft. That is not where anyone expected them to be. Um, so it all starts tonight. We'll see what this hockey club can do. We'll talk about it with Jamie Thomas coming up a little later on. Listen, Remo, before we get to John Hodge, I do want to mention, speaking of hockey, what a game last night between Canada and the United States. I mean, exactly what we've come to expect in one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. A back-and-forth game, incredibly fast, incredibly exciting. The skill on these women was on full display. And uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin continues to be the boss when it comes to women's hockey, putting Canada on her back. And that line, along with Sarah Nurse and Brienne Jenner, was dominant last night. You know, a couple highlight real goals 
and the Jets that Poulin turned on to acquire the first penalty shot in Olympic women's hockey history and, of course, closed the deal on it, giving Canada the 4-2 lead was huge last night in a big, big win for Canada, despite being outshot almost 2-1 to one by the Americans. Yeah, we knew it was going to be a, uh, a good game, as it usually is, and I definitely lived up to the hype. Uh, Canada, you know, scoring four goals against the USA. I don't think they've scored that many of them in, in quite some time. And I know the last couple of years, USA has been the one to take it to Team Canada. But going back to uh, when we had the World Championships and a couple of the Olympics, um, you know, Canada seems to know how to bring it. And uh, what what a number of superstars, especially Mary Philly plays and turning on on the Jets uh, to earn that penalty shot. Well, and, and the other, you know, being a Winnipeg and Manitoba show, um, Jocelyn LaRock has turned into the iron horse of the Canadian defense. Like, I don't have it in front of me as far as what she played last night, as far as minutes on the ice, but it had to have been approaching, you know, high 20s. I mean, she seemed to always be out there, I believe, playing with Renata Fast. And I mean, it was that top pairing along with Poulin, Nurse, and Jenner uh, that really led the way for Canada. And uh, my God, Anne Renee Debian, I wasn't as familiar with her. Um, now we understand why she got the uh, the start from uh, from coach for the game last night. Um, what, 51 shots she faced, only allowed a couple of them. I mean, just an absolutely brilliant performance, performance by the young Canadian netminder. And you know, it's not very often you talk about the Canadian women needing a big goaltending performance to win because of how good they are. But everything's different when you play against the United States. These teams are so closely matched. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you did not watch that game last night and you're a hockey fan, you blew it. Uh, make a point of not missing when these two teams meet again, which, of course, will in all likelihood, Remus, be in the gold medal game. Yes, uh, and yes, it was um, Canada taking silver in the what in the olympics in pyeongchang they did oh, yeah win. it was a shootout wasn't it yeah they did win the gold in sochi canada won recently at the worlds in a thrilling finish so i mean doesn't never uh fails to deliver this canada usa women's hockey rivalry so i'm i guess you know with no nhl players although that's starting uh tomorrow um you know we have the we have the women canada us we'll be counting down to as well uh, men's tournament is going to be getting going, I believe, like late tonight into oh, tomorrow. Sorry. Canada takes on Germany uh, in their first game. Um, Dusty and I spent some time talking about the, uh, you know, the men's hockey and the women's hockey today in the lock shop. Um, and I've got a Sweden, Finland, USA ticket. Um, but I stayed away from Canada and Germany because, uh, you know, hey, the Germans got a medal last time. I mean, they, you know, now that the NHLers aren't there, I think we sort of underestimate the Germans and they're like plus 260 or something in that game. So that'll uh, be something. We'll talk about that at the Cool Bet lines a little later on. Uh, Jamie Thomas is going to join us to tee up tonight's Jets wild game and really look ahead to the final 40 games. And uh, speaking of women on top, I cannot wait to have Carrie Anderson, the now three-time in a row, Scotty's champ, back to back to back, will join us in the two o'clock hour of the program. But in just a minute or two, we're going to get together with John Hodge to break down all the latest from around the Canadian Football League in CFL free agency. Uh, I do want to give a big shout out to our friends at F Apparel. 
the Winnipeg-owned company specializing in custom suits for men, a full line of custom clothing for any occasion. Suits, dress shirts, winter jackets, casual chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great, and F's custom suits start at just $400. Um, I should mention for our guys over at F that, of course, the wedding season is not too far away. And, uh, you know, many of you are going to be needing to go to a bunch of weddings. So you need a gross suit that fits and looks great for that. Uh, but if you're in a wedding party, uh, F fits hundreds of wedding parties each year. And affordable custom suits, perfect for any kind of a gathering. And wedding partners get 15% off their purchase when they order a suit, shirt, and tie. Find out more by uh, popping down and see them at 190 Smith Street or make an appointment or check them out online at F. That's E-P-H Apparel dot com uh it's heart month and vita health fresh market is your go-to place for food supplements vitamins and more to help that ticker stay as healthy as possible you can stock up on your heart healthy supplements and foods at vita health fresh market with great prices on winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements beauty products and groceries all while stopping by the amazing vita health deli for Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And of course, you can join their exclusive Vita VIP list by texting one eight, texting Vita VIP to one 630 1970 to receive special offers all year long and be entered to win a $100 Vita Health gift card. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. And, uh, you know, while we're trying to get healthy in 2022 and treat our bodies and our hearts right, it all starts with water and hydration. And when you think water in Manitoba, you think of the experts at Culligan who've been doing it in business for over 65 years. Family-owned right here in Winnipeg over at 1200 Sargent Avenue. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services as well. And if you have water needs for your business, they also have commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Give them a call at 204-694-5180 or hit them up online at drinkculligan.com. All right, Jamie Thomas on the Jets, Kerry Anderson later on today, but the big story today from coast to coast is free agency in the Canadian Football League. And uh, the boys at Three Down Nation have been working OT today. Uh, what a pleasure to welcome in our guy, John Hodge, into Winnipeg Sports Talk for the latest. John, how are you, man? Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate the opportunity, Hus. Thanks for having me. You're uh, sounding great. Got an awesome setup, which is perfect for all the great work that you and Justin do. I mean, let's focus in on, a, on the Bombers first and foremost. Um, and listen, the biggest story is not a guy that's been signed. It's a guy that hasn't been signed yet. You've covered this team for a long time. What do you make off of the uh, apparent standoff between bomber legend Andrew Harris and the football club? Well, Kyle Walters spoke to the media this morning, and one of the things that he touched on is the fact that Andrew Harris, who you know at, at times in his career has had an agent, is is currently representing himself, which I think has made this process 
a little more challenging than it maybe would have otherwise been. I mean, it's very normal in all pro sports, right, to have negotiations be contentious at times. But it's a little bit different when an agent and a GM can hash things out and maybe some things can be said that that would hurt the player's feelings. But you've got that buffer there. That's not the case with Andrew Harris. He spoke with Kyle Walters several days ago. There was a contract discussed. There was not a contract agreed upon. And Kyle Walters did not confirm that that contract is even still available to Harris, though he has also not ruled out the possibility of Harris returning in 2022. So to me, it looks like the divorce has all but been finalized. We know reportedly that Harris wants to continue playing in 2022. And as much as he's been the face of this franchise, as much as he promised and then not only delivered once, but twice on bringing a great cup back home to his home city of Winnipeg, the soon-to-be 35-year-old running back appears to be on the way out in Winnipeg. Um, like, I, I still, and I mean, I acknowledge where we're at. I mean, I heard what Kyle Walters had to say, I and mean, we've been listening to you and JD, and I had Jeff Hamilton on the program yesterday, I and mean, we know where things are at. I still can't wrap my head around seeing Andrew Harris in another uniform other than blue and gold. And, I mean... Listen, for him, he's got to do what he's got to do. I mean, the careers are short. He does not have a lot of time left as a pro. And, you know, he's got to do what's best for him and his family. But I got to tell you, I mean, despite how great as everything has been for this football team over the last two years, I can't think of something that would uh, sting Bomber fans more than seeing 33 in another jersey, especially one in the division, potentially one province over to the West. I hear you, Huss. And, and Kyle Walters classified this as his toughest negotiation during his entire tenure as Winnipeg's general manager. He became the interim GM uh, early in the 2013 season and then had the interim tag removed. So he's been doing this for almost a decade. And, and this has been really tough. And you know, when we talk about Andrew Harris, I think we sometimes forget that when he came to Winnipeg as a free agent in 2016, following a down year with the BC Lions, he was already a running back who was, who was approaching that 30-year-old mark where a lot of guys, frankly, CFL, NFL, whatever, tend to drop off. And, you know, the thought was, well, maybe the Bombers can squeeze a, a couple of good years out of the hometown kid. And the reality is he he surpassed all expectations, uh, I, I think. I did not have terribly high expectations of Andrew Harris. I, I thought he'd be a good player, but I didn't think he was a legitimate MOC candidate, great cup MVP candidate, a guy who could still lead the league in rushing. And he did it three times right with Winnipeg. He, he did it three years in a row, uh, even getting into his early to mid thirties. And so I do still think that Andrew Harris has game left. I think the question for Winnipeg is two things. One is how durable is Andrew Harris? He missed seven of 14 regular season games last year. He fought a knee injury. He fought a calf injury. And then the second issue, of course, is well, if you keep Andrew Harris, who are you losing? Because Johnny Augustine, Brady Oliveira, the latter of whom is also from Winnipeg, have proven that they're ready for, for larger roles in the offense to start. And, and if you're going to bring back Andrew Harris at the price point he wants, you're going to have to say goodbye to one of those upcoming Canadian running backs. So certainly there's 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 odds there, right, between the long-term and the short-term interest of this team. And I think that's why this has been so tough for Kyle Walters and company. Well, and Walters has already played his hand with those two. I mean, they're both inked not even to one, but two-year deals right now, John. Yeah. So it's pretty clear that they're the future of this franchise. Um, but I think all parties involved would love to see some way that you get the band back together that includes number 33. That being said, staying on offense, I mean, 
when we heard some of the money that was reportedly being thrown out to Kenny Lawler, <laughs> I'd essentially uh, thanked him for his services here in Winnipeg and uh, was wishing him the best. Tell you what, though, I mean, the 300K price tag, I think, dropped a lot of jaws around the league. What do you just make of the receiver market so far, especially the Lawler signing in Edmonton? I think it's it's crazy, to be quite honest. I mean, the last time we saw a team do this was when Darrell Walker signed with the Toronto Argonauts in 2019. And that happened, you know, it was a it was kind of a land grab situation. It was like, well, the like the bidding's out of hand anyways. Let's just throw 275 at them. Uh, the, the cap was a little bit higher then, which makes the Kenny Lawler number even wilder because Lawler is getting 300 and the cap is, is expected to be a little bit lower in 2022 than it was in 2019. So it's it's virtually an unprecedented signing. And I'll say this. Kenny Lawler was obviously spectacular with Winnipeg. He led the CFL in receiving yards, was the only receiver in a shortened 14 game season to hit that 1000 and surpass that 1000 yard receiving mark. But honestly, I, I think it's wild, especially when you look at who the Elks already have on the roster. They have Darrell Walker. He had a bit of a down year in 2021, but they could have re-upped Greg Ellingson, one would think, for half of what they're paying Kenny Lawler. And that's exactly what the Blue Bombers did, going out and getting the five-time 1,000-yard receiver and four-time All-Star under contract. I don't have Ellingson's contract number yet, but if Lawler's making 300, you know, Brian Burnham is only making 165 in BC. That would be my comparable for Greg Ellingson. And if you're Winnipeg, it sucks to lose Lawler. He's younger. He's a little bigger than Ellingson is. But wouldn't you rather have the five-time 1,000-yard receiver at half of the price point of Kenny Lawler? I, I think it's wild. And and I, my jaw hit the floor when BC was reportedly offering 250. The fact that Edmonton comes in at 300 to me is you know, again, mm. no disrespect mm. to Mr. Lawler, but to me, that's almost mm. borderline insanity offering a player that much money, that percentage of your cap, who's only had one elite season in the CFL. Well, I guess the other part of it is, is who the hell's throwing on the football? Uh, I mean, like Nick, Arbuckle, Nick Arbuckle could be, I mean, could not be less of a sure thing. I think when it comes to CFL quarterbacks right now and I mean, it's great to have super talented receivers, but as we've seen over and over, heck, look at the Bombers of 2019 for a good portion of the season. You're going to have a championship-level receiving group if you don't have the quarterback to get them the football. Uh, those guys aren't going to be very productive. Well, and and I was in that media availability on Zoom in Edmonton when they introduced Stephen McAdoo as their new offensive coordinator, and I asked straight up, what are your thoughts on Nick Arbuckle? And it might be a weird question to ask somebody on their first day as OC, but here's the thing. Stephen McAdoo was in Toronto all of last season as their O-line coach where Nick Arbuckle spent most of that campaign prior to being traded to the Elks. And I expected him to say something along the lines of, you know, well, we like Nick. He's young. He's up and coming, whatever. He essentially no commented it, just saying like, well, we're, we're, we're assessing everything. And it was like, whoa. That's that's not exactly the vote of confidence one would expect. And with what we've seen, right, Edmondson made a big play for Jeremiah Masoli, kind of similar to the Kenny Lawler situation, actually offered more money potentially than the team that ended up getting him in Ottawa. But without a signing bonus, Masoli goes to the Red Blacks. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's certainly a head scratcher. Now they have Taylor Cordelius as well. He's going into his second year. He looked good at times as a raw rookie out of the XFL in 2021, but you're right, Huss right now on, you know, a one to nine list, 
you'd put Edmondson at the bottom, maybe eight or nine with BC on the quarterback tier list right now, depending on what happens with BC. It looks like they're going out Canadian with Nathan Rourke and Michael O'Connor. So arguably Kenny Lawler had the best quarterbacking in the CFL in 2021, and now he's going to potentially the worst place for quarterbacking in 2022. So that's why I'm already making a prediction. I think Greg Ellingson is going to have more receiving yards in 2022 then Kenny Lawler, just given the things that you highlighted, the quarterback play, the offensive scheme, the fit, all of that stuff. Well, and, and let's back to the Bombers for a second. I mean, Ellingson will be a huge part of the offense. You've got Nick Dembski, Wolotarski's re-signed, Rashid Bailey will be there. Um, but, I mean, you're losing Darvin Adams and you're losing Kenny Lawler. Um, do you think that that other spot will be taken by a cheap, probably unproven guy, maybe new to the league, or are the Bombers still sniffing around the free agent market to uh, add another weapon to the receiving core? Well, Kelvin McKnight was a guy who the Bombers were really high on in 2021 as a rookie. He started five games, was somewhat productive in those contests. He's a guy who I think could have the inside track to potentially starting in Darvin Adams' old spot at Boundary Wideout. Uh, that being said, I mean, Kyle Walters has essentially came out and said this morning, like, we're, we're basically done for today. Uh, I think it's possible that the team will look to potentially make a play later on in the week as prices come down. Uh, I think if they do add an experienced receiver, it's going to have to be kind of similar to Naaman Roosevelt, honestly, in 2021, a guy who's a journeyman kind of cast off maybe later in his career. I think the Bombers would be really wise to add some receiving help. One name I'll throw out there as a potential possibility is Jordan Williams Lambert. He had a sensational season with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I believe it was in 2017 as a big bodied guy, got a look with the Chicago Bears, came back and really struggled to do much there. And so he's a guy who at a discounted rate, I could potentially see a team like Winnipeg having in. But if they do add a receiver, it's not going to be a marquee big name guy. I think it's going to have to fall into that category of a veteran who's who's on the downturn or coming off a down year just to keep that price low because the salary cap crunch in Winnipeg is tight. John Hodge, a three down nation with us talking CFL free agency here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, John, let's talk about the movers and shakers. And uh, I guess our boy Paul Apolise has to be right at the top of the list. Like, let's roll <laughs> down how different the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to look in week one than they finished up a miserable campaign last year. Yeah, my count, my latest count is 13 new players in Ottawa. And obviously the most impactful will be Jeremiah Masoli, who's going to be their starting quarterback, one would certainly assume. But they've added some really impact players. They they have a almost a brand new starting offensive line. Darius Siraco coming over from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He'll probably be the starting center. Then you've got Ukambre Williams, who's going to be securing that left tackle spot. They previously signed Jacob Ruby. To me, quarterback in O-line were the number the, the, the number one and two priorities to really address there. And I think they've done that. And then you look at the scale position stuff. They, they've got William Powell coming in, who I think has another good year or two left in him as a running back. Receiving-wise, they've brought in Jalen Acklin from the Ticats. They've brought in Shaq Johnson as a Canadian, who could be a little bit of a deep threat take Take the top off the defense. Levi Noel coming over from Toronto. He's been more of a special teams guy, but I think he's really underrated in the slot. I think they'd be wise to continue adding some skill position players there. But with what they've done, they haven't lost a whole lot uh, for one. But what they've added, I think, is really exciting because there was no team in the league with a bigger talent differential to overcome heading into free agency since Ottawa. And I think they're doing a very nice job. Darvin Adams as well, of course, 
uh, who will help in that receiving core. I think they've done a really nice job uh, through a, a limited start here, just a few hours in a free agency. Well, let's just, while we're out there talking about Ottawa, let's just get your thoughts on the East overall. I mean, uh, Hamilton was probably the team, much like the Bombers, with the most to lose. Um, Montreal has made a few moves. Toronto's added a couple big fish, uh, yeah. certainly from the Ticats. I mean, when you look at sort of the landscape of the East right now, given what we've just said about the Ottawa Red Blacks, I mean, how close are they to be really competing with the others? And is there a clear-cut number one right now in your mind as we speak this afternoon? I mean, certainly the team that's gotten the best is is the Ottawa Red Blacks, or improved the most. Um, but I think the other thing is is the Toronto Argonauts, I think, have done some really nice things in a short amount of time. To me, their biggest need was along the defensive line. Last year, they signed Charleston Hughes to potentially be that guy. Didn't end up working out. I think he hit the expiry date. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, but he simply wasn't the player who he's been the last you know, 12, 13 years. Um, and then the other side of it was Shane Ray, the former first round NFL draft pick who didn't put up a sack in the regular season. They needed to improve that defensive line. Sean Oakman was a beast in the middle, but they went out and they got Jagera Davis, who's going to be playing defensive end for them. I think that really, really solves a need with Oakman and Davis. I think that's going to be one of the top defensive lines in the CFL, and that's really going to help new defensive coordinator Corey Mace, uh, who's coming over as the previous defensive line coach in Calgary. So all in all, I mean, the Ticats haven't added anybody. They've lost a ton of talent, uh, but they've also been, I think, pretty consistently the top team in the East Division for the last half decade. They made some good late signings today. They they re, they brought back uh, Jamal Roll, the cornerback. They brought back Ted Laurent, Canadian defensive tackle. There's rumors that they're going to be signing Micah Johnson, though that's not official yet. He would be their first official addition. So the Ticats have lost some guys, but they're in a very similar situation, frankly, to the Blue Bombers. They've been a top team for a long time. They've been to two great cups consecutively. On days like today, you're going to lose guys because if you're one of the more talented teams in the league, teams are going to come and poach whatever they can. John, uh, what's happening with the Riders? I mean, they've been a little quieter than many of the other teams so far in the Canadian Football League. They have. I really like the two official signings that they've made thus far. They brought in Darnell Sankey over from the Calgary Stampeders. He was the CFL's leading tackler in 2021 as a rookie. He's a big-bodied linebacker, 248 pounds in the middle. Uh, not maybe the best runner with his size, but man, in the box, he is one of the best run stuffers in the league. They re-signed Larry Dean, who missed all of last season with an Achilles tear. I think he's going to play on the weak side. And then at strong side linebacker, they've brought back Derek Moncrief, who arguably should have been the most outstanding defensive player in the CFL in 2019. He had an unbelievable year that year, which prompted him to get to the NFL with the Los Angeles Rams in 2020. So those are the two big additions in Ryderville. And it's pretty clear that was their top priority. We have to fix this linebacking core. Last year, Dion Lacey was in the middle. He's moved on. Micah Tights, it appears, is primed for a backup role. And the strong side linebacker spot was, was all over the place last year. They had a guy quit on the team. They had a Canadian there for a while. It was, it was, a, it was a turnstile. So they've really turned a weakness into a strength. Heading out, I mean, they lost Luches Purifoy and Ed Ganey in the secondary, which I think is a problem. But at the same time, if you're, uh, you know, if you're building a football team, at least the philosophy I know a lot of people have is if you're going to get better, try to get better closer to the line of scrimmage. It's easier to find DBs than it is pass rushers. And certainly they're trying to really prompt that front seven and build that front seven through free agency here. 
John uh, Huff, uh, John Huffnagel had a couple of funny comments. <laughs> I mean, he said he's probably not looking to do much because he doesn't have any money. He can barely afford to go to McDonald's right now. I mean, where are the stamps right now if they don't have the ability to add anybody else? Yeah, the stamps, I think, really prioritized bringing back their own guys. I think the number one priority for them this offseason was re-signing Jake Mayer, who a lot of people had kind of tabbed as the next guy, the next you know up-and-coming young quarterback who might get the chance to start elsewhere. That's not going to happen in 2022 because the stamps were able to renegotiate Bull Levi Mitchell's contract, bring him down, and that allowed them to give Jake Mayer the raise that he needed to stay in town. But that has certainly had an effect elsewhere on the roster. They've lost Ukambri Williams, who's been a good starter for them at left tackle and center. They lost Darnell Sankey, who we just mentioned, went with the Riders. They've lost a former first-round pick, receiver Herji Mayala. He's going home to play for the Montreal Alouettes. Deshaun Amos has been a very good boundary player for them at halfback and corner. Jamar Wall, who's been there for a decade, the DB, is not expected to be back. And Canadian quarterback Michael O'Connor, who they signed last year, dressed as the backup for a handful of games to start the year, is gone. They're another team like Hamilton. No official additions at this point. They're still waiting to make any signings. And I guess uh, maybe John Huffnagel is still in line at, at McDonald's looking to get his order in before they can bring anybody in. As you mentioned, that cracked me up when he said that. Uh, but it's pretty clear that team is close to the cap. They prioritized re-signing their current players. And you can't argue with that to a, to a ton of, to, or to, to a great extent anyways, because the Stamps were a good team once they kind of came on in 2021, but they had a rough start to that season, dug themselves a hole in the West Division. You know, I give them credit for keeping their quarterbacks, but I do think that team could stand to inject some talent into that roster. Maybe they're just waiting for the bargain bin prices of day two, three, four, et cetera. John Hodge with us from Three Down Nation. You're uh, you're a three down partner in crime. Justin Dunk's been on fire, but it, Justin's reporting that the Elks have made Mark Corte the highest paid offensive lineman in the Canadian Football League. Um, how surprising is this and um, what's behind it? Um, and what do you make of the signing uh, to shore up that offensive line that at times was a real Achilles heel for Edmonton in tough losses? I'm not surprised. I think Mark Corte really fits what Chris Jones covets in his offensive lineman. He's very athletic. He moves very well. And you can't argue with a kid who's, who's from there. Like Mark Corte was born and raised in Spruce Grove, Alberta, which is about a 30-minute drive west of the city. It's opposite Sherwood Park, which is which is on the which is on the east side. So, you know, he's local, he's athletic, he's young, he's in his prime. Uh, before Drew Desjardins left for the NFL, there were rumors that he was going to sign for as much as 225, 230 along the line of scrimmage. Obviously, that didn't end up happening. He's with the New England Patriots, but it doesn't surprise me to see Mark Corte become a a or the highest paid offensive lineman in the league. He's in his prime. He has the potential to play tackle. He did so all of 2019 in Ottawa. I think he's a little bit better at guard and center, but if you're an offensive lineman who can play all five positions, you're 25, former first first round pick and you're local, teams are going to have to pay a premium for that. And so for Mark Court saying, "No, I I as much as the Kenny Lawler deal shocked me in terms of numbers, this one did not surprise me at all. I know the Red Blacks were making very competitive offers to try to keep Mark Corte there. Three seasons he was there. Of another, again, a former first-round pick. Those numbers do not surprise me for Mark Corte coming out of Edmonton. Hey, John, last one for you, and thanks so much for doing this, folks. Make sure to get over to Three Down Nation. I got their free agent tracker up on the screen. It's helping me get through and stay on top of everything <laughs> as we do the show. Um, 
you mentioned BC. Those two, I mean, two Canadian quarterbacks. I mean, this has to be unprecedented. Um, it's a really cool story for the league and for the team as long as they can get the job done. How big of a risk is this for BC going into this season, trying to spend a lot of money on receiving help for two young Canadian quarterbacks that are relatively unproven? Yeah, there was a lot of speculation that Trevor Harris would be brought in as the 1B, if you will, behind Trevor Harris, who, or pardon me, but behind uh, Nathan Rourke, the young Canadian, who'd be the 1A. And it appears as though the Lions have gone in a different direction. They just signed Michael O'Connor away from the Calgary Stampeders. I like the local fit. Michael O'Connor was born in Ontario, but he played his university football with the UBC Thunderbirds. So he's got strong ties to the West Coast. And I, as a, as a proud Canadian, I, I think it's fantastic that we have a team with two Canadian quarterbacks at the top. Nathan Rourke did not play a ton last year, started only two games. But if you listen to Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, the guys in that organization, Rick Campbell, uh, co-GM Neil McAvoy, they all rave about not only what Nathan Rourke does on the field, but off the field. He is an absolute workhorse, got a tremendous amount better over the course of his rookie season. Michael Riley was there to mentor him throughout that campaign. And, and Michael O'Connor, this is a guy who, in his interviews at the CFL Combine in 2018, was being asked, do you have NFL aspirations? Do you have XFL aspirations? He's six foot four, 230 pounds. He's got a prototypical CFL frame, can run the football well. I really like this fit. Is it a risk? Absolutely. But the nice part about this, if you're the BC Lions, is Trevor Harris is still out there on the open market. I don't think he's going to get an offer that he finds tempting at this point. So if things go sideways, maybe you find a way to say, OK, let's bring in Trevor Harris as the guy. We've got that veteran who's available. Uh, but for now, why not roll the dice with a couple of young Canadians? I think that's sensational because uh, they've both got local ties. And if, if new owner Amar Dolman is looking to market that team, I can't think of a better way than to have two local Canadian quarterbacks throw to a bunch of these star receivers. John, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I know what a busy day it is for you. Really appreciate you joining us. And uh, of course, keep up the great work with Justin Dunk over at Three Down Nation. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure, Huss. Anytime. Good stuff. At John D. Hodge on Twitter, and make sure you're following Three Down Nation. You can get live updates on CFL Free Agency all day long over at threedownnation.ca. We're going to get back to the Jets with Jamie Thomas. Uh, before we do that, well, the Jets need a big start, a powerful start to the second half of the season. And when it comes to powering Winnipeg and Manitoba, Manitoba Battery remains the premier stop for all your battery needs in the province. Most automotive batteries are priced for less than 100 bucks with Core Exchange, or they'll deliver it to your door anywhere in Winnipeg for 115 bucks on the same day you order it as long as you let them know by 1:30 p.m. and my god we actually got on the right side of zero today um it won't be as cold coming up for the next few weeks great time to get on the lake if you're an ice, if you're into ice fishing Manitoba battery has the flasher batteries you need to keep you catching fish for the rest of the season get on down 1026 logan avenue see donnie kimbo and the gang at manitoba battery for all your battery needs you can give them a call at 783-8787 or check them out online at manitobabattery.com royal sports got a little note from uh greg and the guys over at royal yesterday the super bowl shirts are in winnipeg walter looking for that Bengals super bowl shirt they're in at royal sports rams fans 
Get your shirt ready for the Super Bowl over at Royal. It all just came in late yesterday. They're unboxed and out on the floor. And while you're there checking out the Super Bowl merch, make sure to check out the thousands of exclusive items for Winnipeg Jets merchandise. And of course, those new exclusive Winnipeg Blue Bomber Grey Cup Champions hats that came in last week. It's all there at Royal Sports, along with their multi-million dollar hockey inventory, snowboards, fitness center, and so much more. Not to mention all the cool stuff over on the King's Skate Snow and Surf side. Pop on down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure you follow Royal Sports Pemina on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sales at the store. And as we're into 2022, we're looking to get out of this winter and maybe into spring. And wouldn't it be a great time to get into a new whip? If you're thinking about a new car or vehicle for the year, make sure you start off your search over at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Uh, so many amazing vehicles on the lot at Waverly and McGilvery. And of course, if you're looking for something in particular, talk to the experts at Not. They'll source it, get it here for you at the best possible price. You can also find out more on everything Not can do for you over at Not.ca. All right, we got a hockey game tonight. I cannot wait to get back into Canada Life Center, maybe see some of you down there and watch what is going to honestly feel almost like playoff intensity hockey, hopefully right away, considering the hill the Winnipeg Jets have to climb. But there's still 40 games left, but a lot of work to be done. Let's tee up the second half of the season. And tonight's return to uh, playing in front of more than 250 fans on home ice with Jamie Thomas at Jets TV. JT, thanks for doing this. How are you doing? Uh, you know what, I feel great. Um, it's also even better that I don't have to come back to a building that's completely empty again. I, the, I do not want to see those tarps ever again. Like I just, I, they, they were really cool when they first came out uh, last season. And now when I saw them on the concourse before they closed everything down again, I was like, ah, oh, it was just so disappointing. So I, I can imagine for me, as a broadcaster, how disappointing it was not to have fans, and I can only imagine what it felt like for the players and the coaching staff of the Winnipeg Jets. Well, not to mention the fans, too. I mean, it was a real tough yeah. stretch for the Winnipeg Jets playing at home. I mean, this is the team that, during good times, have really fed off of their crowd. And, yeah. I mean, you know, there wasn't a lot of energy in the building, and at times there wasn't enough energy on the ice. And I think that's sort of part of the reason why the Winnipeg Jets are in the predicament that they are right now, not blaming yeah. it on the lack of fans. But, you know, it was all part and parcel of a real tough stretch for the hockey club. Hey, listen, just before we get to everything, how are yep. you? I mean, uh, it, great <laughs> to hear you back. And I got to give a shout out to Mitch Clinton. He did a great job pinch hitting alongside Paul Edmonds during the time. But uh, you went on the list. And did this happen in the States? Like you were basically shut down? Where We're in Boston? <laughs> yeah, so I think I got it in Nashville. But I was at, uh, I remember taking photos. Of the Jets were at the Bruins practice facility, which is gorgeous, by the way. It's an unbelievable facility. So I'm sitting there looking how cool this place is. And I got the text from Chris Kreviazic, of course, Jets team services guy. And you know, Chris and I have this unique relationship where we're always bugging each other. So he texts me, he says, you're positive. Get back to the hotel. And I thought he was honestly messing with me. So I'm like, I just text him back some expletive that I can't reveal on your show. And I didn't believe him for probably about an hour. but. I started walking around and I'm like, I better go back just in case. So I was positive um, in Boston and I had to uh, bunker up there. And I, you know what? The first night was like brutal because I just had the chills. And it's almost like a, a mental thing because someone tells you you have COVID and all of a sudden it kicks in. 
because I didn't really feel any different. So I, I had the chills, had a pretty bad cough. And then the next day, it was just uh, it was just the boredom of sitting in your hotel room for five days. That was the worst part. I saw four seasons of Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> I re I rewatched a big chunk of the Marvel Universe <laughs> and with some nerd videos on top of that just to to pass some time. I even read. I, I hardly read books anymore. So it, it just the hardest part was just being bored out of your mind. And then the four days after sitting in Boston and not being able to come home. Uh, and of course, when I'm in Boston, and it was cold there, but you know, as you know, Hasse, it was freezing cold here, and it just kept snowing. And I just got further and further in the doghouse with my <laughs> lovely wife uh, as time went by, because as, as you could probably feel as terrible as possible. But ever since we've had kids, my wife like has no sympathy for me <laughs> at, at any time. She anytime I have a cold, she's like, "You have a man cold. Get up." Like there is no, so it's more about the inconvenience of me not being home to help rather than my personal welfare at this point in our marriage. Well, that was somewhat unfortunate for all parties involved. Yes. And yes, you yeah. did you did miss some prime show snow shoveling um, yeah. jobs. Uh, but that being said, it was great to hear you back. Glad you're feeling Thanks, better. And, uh, um, you know, I guess right to it, speaking of that, I mean, uh, you had to expect that we weren't entirely through this, although most of the team at this point has been on the list at some point. I was all nervous about Kyle Connor coming back to the All-Star game. We talked about that yesterday. Just tell me Kyle Connor's on the ice and ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't expect Neil Pionk and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Austin Pendagnansky on it, and just a little more adversity going into a very important game tonight. Yeah, and Blake Wheeler pointed out yesterday, he just, you can't remember the last time the Jets had a whole team together. And, you know, as bad as it was for the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks, you know, I'll go back to last year and a little bit this year, but in particular the Flames, everybody's at once. But the Jets have been two here, one here, coaching staff member, you know, traveling staff, like staff member. It's just been a little bit here and there. And, you know, arguably two of the toughest guys, the hardest guys to play against in Neil Pionk and Pierre-Luc Dubois, you don't have those two tonight. And Austin Boganski, let's let's give him credit. He's done a wonderful job on the third line on the right side with Adam Lowry uh, in his time up in the National Hockey League. So this it's a pretty significant loss. And when you're trying to get back into the th thick of things, I think those are the two, three players that you really don't like to see on the COVID list heading into this, especially against a Minnesota team that plays probably the heaviest game in the entire central division. Uh, I, I think it's pretty easy to state that the way they've been playing this year. And especially in the two games against the jets down in St. Paul. So for those three players to be on there, it's just, it's just so the way this season has been going for the jets, but as Blake Wheeler said, they're going to have to claw, scratch and claw their way into it with a younger roster. And that's where, what they're facing here tonight. Well, and um, you know, <laughs> you can't win 10 games at once. Um, no, you know, I mean, and, and they spoke to it yesterday I and mean, maybe we can get you to expand on what we heard from, um, you know, the likes of Blake Wheeler and Connor Hellebuck yesterday. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're looking at those leaders knowing, I mean, these guys understand how things work. I mean, they realize the deficit they have in this division, where the last playoff spot is and what needs to happen over the course of the last 40. But um, it seems to be very important. And certainly what they're focusing in on is. You know, what happens next week or next month, um, you know, is not even in the realm of thought right now because it has to be on the next shift, the next period, and the next game, which, of course, tonight, kicking off five straight in the Central Division all against pretty solid squads. Yeah, and, th and that's a huge storyline, right? Two Husses, like, they're, they're played five straight again within their division, but 
you can't look down the road. It's so hard not to because of the the hill they have to get out or the hole they have to get out of and the hill they have to climb to get out of it. And to look at, oh my gosh, it's Nashville, Dallas back to back on the road, but you can't look that far because of the way Minnesota has been playing this year, like nine Oh and one, their last 10. And we don't, it's pretty hard to forget what happened the last time Winnipeg played Minnesota uh, on Thanksgiving. It was in the United States. It was ugly and ugly fast. Right. And, um, you have one line that hasn't given up a goal of five on five this year. That's the Erickson Eck line. You got a goaltender in Cam Talbot that's played in the All-Star game, Kirill Kaprizov. You know, man, like in the offseason this year, when Kaprizov was holding out for more money, I was like, hold on. Like, you know, you had one year in the NHL, but even that first game against the Jets, I believe he had four points. I'm like, okay, this is I, I go all the way back to Marion Gabrick. Has, like they have not had a game breaker like this since Marion Gabrick. Not in even mid-2000. close. Like not even close, right? It's like we can't even compare the two. And that, and when Gabbard was with the Wild, that was when they were playing that awful hockey. Like that's when hockey was at its worst, and they relied on their goaltending and some some spotty offense here from from Marion Gabbard. That is not the case with the Wild right now. They can hurt you in so many different ways. So for this this mountain the way it is for the Jets, this is a great team to see where you're sitting at. And you you know Dave Lauer pointed out they had eleven different guys from the the Moose come up and play this year. And that's great to see where the development is. And you're leaning on these kids to, to go into this the lion's den here and try and pull this team back into it. Now, enough of them have played enough games in the NHL this year that there's not going to be many surprises. Billy Hainala, you know, Jonathan Kovacevic have been fantastic this year. And I think Kovacevic has got a lot more comfortable. And Billy, I thought, had a great game in Philadelphia, minus one play. And I think that that's unfortunate because he looked the most comfortable I've seen him look in his entire time in the NHL in that game in Philadelphia, minus that. And he'll be remembered for that play that turned out to be the game winning goal for the Philadelphia Flyers. So I think you're going to see a lot of heavy minutes with the, the top four defensemen for the Winnipeg Jets tonight. And Kovacevic and, and Billy will get some time. Billy's going to get more time in the power play, but it'll be spot duty for them because of the heavy game that's going to be played here tonight. I think Kovacevic can play a little bit more to it, but I'm not quite sure where Billy is in that department right now. Well, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that. And T. Cone, T. Cone Pauly just mentioned this in the chat. That the mm-hmm. Jets have played some of their best games with these pieced together lineups. I mean, yes. I think of the game in Detroit and certainly the game in St. Louis. I mean, I know you were, you know, had a lot of praise for Villy in the Philly game, and I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. I thought his game against the St. Louis Blues was phenomenal. He was playing with yeah. Neil Pionk. He played almost 20 minutes. I mean, he had that sort of confidence and that swagger of a player that, you know, can do a lot of things that, you know, frankly, we don't often see from a lot of the defensemen on this club. Mm-hmm. So the team, the team when it has been shorthanded has actually stepped up at times and uh, man, they could sure use it tonight because, um, you know, you can't start off this 40 game segment with uh, without being, without getting it going right away, Jamie, I guess is the point I'm making. Yeah, and it, like I won't be the Jets. Like you have to look at these next five games, and you think going, you got to win four or five just to get things rolling here. And I give full credit to Mark Morrison, the Moose coaching staff, for what they've done. And we've we've said this for years now with Pascal Vincent before Mark Morrison. It's just why these kids are so ready to play in the National Hockey League. And I think what we saw in St. Louis. Because let's not kid ourselves. I think a lot of people were counting the Jets out in that game against the Blues who have been playing so well on home ice. When you see that effort in that team and the way they put the game together that night or in, in St. Louis, I think that's why it's a little bit more frustrating what we saw in Philadelphia 
uh, the next game before the all-star break. So I think the capabilities of the youngsters uh, to rise to the occasion here is, is something they'll need, but I don't think we can overlook the fact that now is a time where you have to look at Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and Connor Hellebuck. This, this is the time where they have to get to the level where we've seen them before and they have to sustain it for a long period because I don't, I think anybody's been watching this team. I'm not saying they're, they haven't done enough, but this is not the level that we've expected these, those three players to be at. And I know Wheeler, but I thought he was at that level in that game where he got hurt against Vancouver. So I want to be a little bit fair to him. And I think he had the COVID. I think of the guys that got COVID this year, I think he had the worst after effects. But Shifley isn't where he's at. He's shooting the shooting percentage is pretty low right now because the opportunities are there. And Connor Hellebuck hasn't been that guy where like that's the Vezna trophy winner. The other guy at the other end, whoever it's been throughout the year, has been better than Connor Hellebuck. And I'm not saying Hellebuck has been terrible. He just hasn't been the guy that we've seen the last three years, night in and night out. Yeah, listen, and that's fair. Um, but but I'll say this um for hellebuck i mean i think the last month month and a half i mean there's been some goals that he didn't like and you know yeah mm -hmm. it wasn't at that vezina level that frankly yeah. we and the team has been spoiled at getting for the last number of years but jamie if you look at how the jets got into this predicament in the first place after yeah. that great start connor hellebuck had about a month of play where i think he went eight or nine games straight without giving up more than two goals and yeah. i think the jets won three of those games so um, you know, listen, those things are going to happen over the course of the year. Uh, there's mm -hmm. no doubt Connor Hellebuck is going to have to be Connor Hellebuck if this team wants to get back in it. But to me, Shifley's the most fascinating guy of it all. I mean, we know what he's done for this team. I and mean, you can look at the stats, the numbers that he's played. And yeah, there's been some times where he's looked, uh, maybe the energy level hasn't been, you know, to, to what I think that fans would like to see and maybe coaches as well. I'll say this, though, considering the predicament that they're going in, we've all been talking a lot about Mark Shifley because of how important he is to the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, it's hard to imagine this team winning or doing anything without getting the best out of Mark Shifley. And I'll say this, especially it's compounded by the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't in the lineup tonight. But you yeah. know what? You want to change the narrative? You can do it pretty quickly by putting a team on your back, going out, having a monster game, getting two points and moving on to the next one this evening. You almost, you almost feel, I don't want to say guilty pointing your finger at certain players, but again, we go back to what the expectations and what they've proven in years past and in games past at the, at the level that they can play at their elite players, the, the three guys I just mentioned. And with Mark Shifley, you, you, you enter this season as a guy that's kind of in the conversation. I know Canada, the NHL is not at the Olympics, but we were talking about this last. We were talking Absolutely. about Mark that we were saying, Mark Shifley, this is his year. And I remember Paul Maurice saying, you want this, this, this type of pressure to be on the guys because they're going to rise to, and that, that benefits the Winnipeg Jets. It's just, it just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like, is it an off? Everybody has an off year. It's just, unfortunately, when you have a number one center with the talent that Mark Shifley has, it just can't come that way because of how much you lean on number 55 to be a point per game player. And there's other variables thrown in there as well. Line mates, constant mixing and matching of lines and the coaching change and one game in 10 days and one game in 12 days. There's lots of factors in there, but I still think with what Mark Shifley is and what he means to this organization, and he had touched on it a little bit today. He knows he has to be better. Didn't tell us specifically what those things are, but I think a lot of us know 
what those things have to be. And being the professional that he is, the intense player and the competitor that he is, I expect that he wants to get there. And I believe that that level can be achieved. It just has to come sooner rather than later. Yeah, and that uh, sooner is tonight against the Minnesota yeah. Wild. 7 o'clock yeah. puck drop downtown at Canada Life Center. Uh, Jamie, you mentioned the coach. And, and I, listen, I like Dave Lowry. Um, you know, again, we haven't had enough time to really, I mean, I think from the outside looking in to yeah. really see the entire body of work. Uh, and it seems like, I mean, you feel for the guy every single time he shows up to the office, he's getting another list of who's available and who's not available. Um but the week off for Dave Lowry, I mean, what do you think the focus was for him coming into practice in this game tonight? And uh, I mean, we heard from him yesterday and today going into this mm -hmm. game. Maybe just fill our listeners in on uh, how the interim head coach of the Winnipeg Jets is approaching the challenge at hand, as well as the short term starting with the Wild tonight. Right. And I think the best way to wrap that up or kind of summarize what you're asking is what what he said, right? We're We're talking about the five games against the central division, but he says, as a coach, you're not looking down to Nashville and Dallas, because if you do that, you're going to miss something. So I truly believe when he says that they're looking at this one game at a time, you have to, as, as a coach, I th still think it's, it's very relaxed because they understand it hasn't been the easiest of roads. There's a lot of things that have happened this year. Like we, it's, He's so easy to forget that Nikolai Ehlers has been lost as that game in Washington again, what he needs their line, and he had just come back. So every time it seems like you're starting to get closer to a full lineup, something happens. Uh, somebody gets injured, somebody else goes on COVID. So I think for Dave Lowry, he's specifically said they got to look themselves in the mirror. Certain people, individuals have to look themselves in the mirror, but as a team, they you, you look across the other team on the other bench Everybody has a role with the Minnesota Wild, and they've embraced it, and that's why they're playing such a good, strong team game. The Jets are trying to get there. You know, you even point out the fact with the Erickson Eck line that hasn't given up a goal five-on-five five this year. They're trying to find a line that, that can do that and can be that shutdown line as well. And without, you know, it's consistency for the Jets in terms of lines being together, it's very difficult to do. So I, I think Dave Lauer realizes what has happened is out of their control, but now is like it's – right now like minnesota is your issue here this evening you got fans in the building again that energy is going to be there all those things those things have been kind of working against you are kind of coming back in your favor with fans being back in the building and realizing this is a divisional game so i think for dave lowry and company it's just focusing on the task at hand and getting this team ready to play the minnesota wild jamie thomas of uh, jets radio 680 cgob our guest getting ready for the jets and wild tonight beginning a 40 game sprint to the finish in the national hockey league's regular season um, you know, you have unique access because you're around the club. I mean, what, what's Dave mm -hmm. Lowry like? I mean, what, uh, what, I mean, you know, you were treated to Maurice for so many years and regardless yes. of what you thought about the ice, what happened on the ice and decisions, everyone will have their own opinions. I mean, there's no greater order storyteller, um, you know, and he was a special human when it came to, you know, telling stories and, you know, keeping the fans and the media involved in it. Um, Big shoes to fill, certainly from that standpoint. And uh, there's only one job, and that's winning hockey games. But yeah. what's it been like? Uh, what have you learned about Dave Lowry during the time that he sort of moved from the shadows of Maurice into the head guy behind the bench? Right. And I think what I've learned about him is he's, that's, he's got a great sense of humor. And I think during this time, you have to be, right? Because, you know, on the charter plane, he comes down with a tray of cheese, you know, <laughs> hands it out to guys in the front rows, the team staff, and like that. And that's after a win. I'm not saying they're is goofing around, but there is, you know, it's, I 
feel like this is starting to become his team and he's starting to feel like that. So he's loosening up a bit. Uh, clearly, having the broadcast meeting with us is a new thing for him after Paul did it for so long and so many years, right? And uh, he's clearly loosened up a little joke and a little bit about things too. So uh, I do, you know, he's serious. He wants to win, but I don't feel like that stress is getting to him just yet, right? There's just, again, uh, there's a lot of things working against them, but this is truly starting to become Dave Lowry's team. And it's, and he's really put young guys in positions to succeed and seeing a lot of them do just that. And I, that was one of the things that Dave Lowry was really good at here for coaching in the Western hockey league for so long, being assistant with the Los Angeles Kings is helping out those younger players. And that's really been his strength. And you're starting to see that with the young guys and how well they played in the NHL this year. I mean, uh, we go from the coach to the team, and uh, I know you were around. I <clears throat> I joked late afterwards because of how late the practice was. We had already finished the show by that time. Yeah. And we were already sort of worrying. I mean, I joked. I said, just tell me that Kyle Connor's going to be there. And, oh, no, <laughs> Pierre-Luc Dubois and Pionk and Pignanski's are out. And, you yeah. know, at this point, I mean, the guy's probably just sort of like, oh, yeah, what else is new? But um, how, how would you describe the practice yesterday, the feeling around the team? Knowing the pressure on them, the expectations that were there at the start of the season and the task at hand, um, I mean, you were around. I mean, how, how would you categorize just the vibe around the team going into game number one of 40 in uh, an incredibly packed schedule? I would have to say serious, right? I, I, I talk about the fact that Dave Lauer's kind of been loose and realizing things, but the players like Wheeler, uh, Connor Hellebuck yesterday, referring to the fact, you know, Wheeler's about, scratching clawing their way into this with a younger roster connor hellebucks don't look too far down the road mark shifley's talking about what he's got to be better as, as, as in the second half of the season josh morrissey acknowledging that how tough of the road is going to be ahead i think they realize what's in front of them so i they are i don't want to say they're tight but they're very serious and understanding what's going on here and and you know dave lowry asked about what can get that confidence back and just winning a win today Tonight against the Minnesota Wild would do a tremendous, you know, step forward for this hockey club in a in a long road here and with 40 games to go. But uh, to answer your question, it's a pretty serious bunch here at Candle Life Center today. Um, JT, before we go, let's dig in a little bit into the uh, the extended uh, injury list right now. Um, first yeah. off, Nikolai Ehlers, my God, I mean, the team misses him. I mean, he's such a dynamic and electric player. He can change a game himself at times. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew when we saw that he went on LTIR and we knew that there was the potential of coming back in mid-February, which would be next week, it was probably optimistic. We got a little more clarity from the coach today that uh, we shouldn't be holding our breath on Nick uh, mm -hmm. immediately popping into the lineup as soon as he is technically available. Yeah, I think another indication too is he went home to Denmark, right, to visit family and friends. And that's, you know, there's Dave Lau referred to the fact that there's not much else he can do in his return uh, from his injury and there's really been no timeline sent as to what when that's going to be and it continues to storyline continues to be it's going to be a long time here and I just you know you watch that that game and that hit uh, at that time you're just the, maybe the optimistic guy in me thought it wasn't gonna be as bad as it was because you know the way Ehlers was yelling I thought you come back a little bit later in the road trip but it's a lot more serious than that and not no clarity really in that aspect has been has been given outside it's going to be a, still a long time to go here. Yes, well, the uh, the old lower body injury. Unfortunately, it is yeah. a long term lower body injury, and uh, yeah, that's a that's a big blow for a Winnipeg Jets team that needs all hands on deck right now. Um, as far as the blue line goes, it's been I mean Sandberg and Stanley and Bolu, mm -hmm. uh, now Pionk on the list. Um, give us an idea about where guys are at as far as um you know being in non contact jerseys and uh, 
who might be available in the next week or so based on what we've gathered from uh, Coach Dave Lowry? Okay, so Logan Stanley, it was in a yellow non-contact jersey again today. There's a conversation possibly he could be a player from this upcoming road trip. Neil Pionk of his numbers, the old CT numbers, I believe he can uh, join up with the Jets uh, in, in, oh, wait a second. I think, so yeah, so Pionk still, he's, his numbers are okay here because he's up in Canada. So he can probably join the team uh, in the States. It's a question of when he can come back, if he can come back into Canada. So that gets a little bit, com- and uh, Nathan Beaulieu was practicing a little yesterday, but didn't feel good today. So there's maybe a little bit blacking off in the time frame for him to come back for this upcoming road trip. So Dave Lowry also pointed out the fact that this is a different time because, you, you know, before you just have to worry about the team that you're playing. Now it's just about who's going to actually be in your lineup tonight. And that's certainly going to be the case for him this weekend. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, on a positive note, uh, how much fun has it been to watch Cole Perfetti sort of get comfortable in yeah. as an NHLer? And uh, I mean, he's one young guy that I think is, um, you know, he's made a lot of fast fans in this city very quickly, uh, but he's also been able to hang on the line with two of the Jets' most explosive players. Although uh, it'll be a different look for Fetty tonight because, of course, mm. um, PLD being out and it's Andrew Kopp getting a chance to move into the middle where he does like to play. Loves it. Yeah. And we've, we've heard about it. Right. And that's what I think I, lo- I love about Andrew Kopp. It never holds back on what he's thinking and uh, certainly where he feels the most comfortable with, with Cole Perfetti has like, I was concerned maybe five games ago about his confidence levels. And maybe if it'd be best for him to go back to play with the Manitoba Moose, but as time has gone by and he's got more comfortable playing with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, you kind of see why he, he belongs in the national hockey league. And one of the things or two things that kind of stood up for me in Philadelphia is he takes a hellacious hit from Rasmus Ristolainen, who is a beast. One of the bigger defense with the Philadelphia Flyers, 6'4", 220. And then he took a heck of a hit from Travis Konechny uh, in the neutral zone, uh, with straw the ire of the Winnipeg Jets and bounced back. Both times got up, got out of there. And still, you know, I think those are those little lessons uh, and the fact that you realize those are the types of hits you're going to take in the National Hockey League at the speeds that you play at. But to the thing to me is he did not shy away after that. I didn't see him backing away or not wanting to go in the corners at all. So Cole Perfetti has really, truly uh, grown a lot every single game. And I think we knew that when he got drafted. We'd heard that about him. Smart kid. I knew you kind of figured once he played enough and got comfortable. And it certainly helps play in the top six with some talented players on the Jets right now. JT, it's going to be fun to be back in the building, even with just a half crowd. It'll be a heck of a lot better than those two. Um, I mean, they were miserable, I think, for both on the ice, off the ice with 250 in the building. Uh, and you get to be the back. Tarps. Yeah, you get to be sitting beside your guy, Paul Edmonds, who, uh, despite the ups and downs of the team, still continues to produce at an all-star level each and every broadcast <laughs> on CGOB. So uh, give a big a big shout-out to Mitch, because I thought he did a great job of pinch-hitting yeah. while you were on the DL. But uh, it'll be great to hear you guys back. And uh Fingers crossed, maybe get a result tonight and get a little bit of momentum and excitement heading into a couple big ones on the road later on this week. Yeah, just the right way to start. And, and full credit to Mitch Clinton. It's not easy to cut. He kind of called in the last second. He had no idea that he was doing it. Perhaps that's for the best. And, of course, my broadcast partner, Paul Edmonds, is as professional as it comes. It doesn't matter who's sitting beside him. But it is. Uh, it was great to see him in Philadelphia. I had coffee with him uh, the first day back. And I, I always enjoy my time with the big, big, the big fella. Well, listen, we'll look forward to the broadcast tonight. Uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much for taking the time today, and uh, we'll look forward to this game tonight and uh, see what happens going forward. lot on the line right now for the Winnipeg Jets right out of the gate post-All-Star game.
Yeah, thanks a lot, Hassa. Good to see you too. And I love the background. You a really nice apartment. Things are going well for you. I see hey, you've moved up in the city. Come, o- come over for some NBA jam sometime <laughs> after a win sometime. We'll get a couple I'll- 1919s and uh, go at it. I would love to have that chair first off. I'm extremely jealous of the chair because I know what the, the power of that chair. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right on, Jamie. Thanks a lot See for doing buddy. this, pal. Anytime. Uh, all right. There is uh, Jamie Thomas of uh, Jets uh, Radio 680 CJOB. Big one tonight for uh, for the home side. They got to get some wins, and they got to start it now. Um, speaking of winning, we'll be speaking in a moment to uh, a lady that's doing been doing a hell of a lot of winning, and that, of course, is Carrie Anderson Skip of the three-time defending Scotty's champions, the Carrie Anderson team. Uh, and we'll do that as part of our Princess Auto curling report. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Jen Jones team. They are in... Uh, Beijing right now saw Jen and the girls at the uh, hockey game last night taking in a number of the Olympic events before things get going Uh, first game is coming up tomorrow 6.05 a.m. against South Korea you got a mid a game just after midnight uh, Friday so I guess the following day Friday morning at 12.05 and then a Friday night game against Sweden at 7.05 if you go to their uh, Twitter page at Team J Jones Curl you can find out all the times Winnipeg times that they'll be playing. Uh, but of course, the big story in Canadian curling this week was the three-peat by Carrie Anderson and her teammates. We'll have Carrie join us in just a couple minutes. Of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit them at one of their two Winnipeg locations or check them out online and shop 24-7, 365 at Princess Auto auto.com well the jets are back in action tonight we finally got a little loosening of that 10 o'clock last call so it might be a great day to reintroduce yourself to some of your friends if you're not going to the game and pop by your local boston pizza to check out the game on the big screen with the big sound enjoy some ice cold schooners some gourmet pizzas and of course those famous boston's wings and if you are staying home uh, you can order those great game day deals and meals online at bostonpizza.com with citywide delivery and delivery as well all around Manitoba near your closest Boston Pizza. And as we get ready to talk to Carrie, uh, we'll maybe give a cheers to Team Einerson with uh, their Manitobas and now Canada's finest. And our favorite beer here in Manitoba is, of course, the Little Brown Jug 1919, the iconic beer now five years in the making after they had their five-year anniversary last December. And uh, maybe the Brute IPA built for it. But uh, what they're really going at right now is, of course, the uh, the Little Brown Jug Double, which is a great winter beer, a malt-forward Abbey-style ale with rich dark fruit flavors. You can get it at your local liquor marts or, of course, Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. And if you're staying home or it's just too cold to go out, not today. Uh, Little Brown Jug delivers beer straight to your door three days a week on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Well, I have a feeling they may have had a run on a few beers in Gimli, Manitoba over the course of the past week because Team Einerson has done it again three-time champions now back to back to back and what a pleasure it is to welcome in the skip of the defending canadian champions carrie anderson to the program after their third straight win at the scotties and thunder bay on the weekend carrie what's up congratulations and thanks for doing this hi thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be on the show well it's a pleasure to have you on you know we were uh 
we were it, it, we were in contact with Coach Carruthers all week last week, uh, kind of getting updates. We didn't want to bug you while you were on. And I said to Reed, well, you know, hopefully things go well and we can get carry on early next week talking about another Canadian championship. Uh, how are you feeling? You and your teammates just must be over the moon after uh, such a successful week in Thunder Bay and and doing it again. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It hasn't fully sunken in yet, actually. Um, just got home last night and uh, actually had a friend stop in and had a drink with them and we chatted for a bit and um, got some big hugs uh, from my husband and my girl. So that was exciting to uh, to see them and I had a welcome home poster all set up from some friends that stopped by and hung it up on my deck. My deck. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. And of course, you know, this was another week or period of time in the bubble. I mean, of all athletes, you might be the most experienced bubble survivor we have right now coming out of the pandemic. I mean, is this just old hat for you now, getting into a hotel with your teammates and not doing anything except curling and getting ready for your next match? Kind of nice not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like it's, it's challenging being in the bubble and not being able to uh, go out to a restaurant and using skip the dishes all the time. It's challenging and uh, eating the same old stuff all the time out of a to-go box. And uh, it's, it's not fun, um, but we made the best of it. And we that's what we've been doing in the bubble. So uh, we play a lot of board games, uh, marbles, and um, Reed brought a uh, Nintendo game. So we played some of that. I got a sore thumb after playing. You got to <laughs> take care of your thumb. That's 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 an important piece of equipment for a world champion skip. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, getting pretty heated sometimes. And when I we, I didn't win many uh, marbles games, so that kind of sucked. <laughs> well, I can tell you. I mean, first off, I don't want to miss this out. The entire chat here at Winnipeg Sports Talk is packed with just people giving congratulations, saying the champ is here, another title for it. They call her the champ, champ. Now, champ, champ, champ. Um, it's uh, <laughs> I, I imagine. I mean, this is this is not new for you guys, but I mean, you're now you and your teammates are moving into some rarefied air in Canadian curling history. I believe just the fourth time ever that a team has won three straight Scotties. Um, I know it's just happened, but I mean, has that sunk in? I mean, just how far you and your teammates have come and what you guys have been able to accomplish still with a ton of road ahead of you to uh, win more championships, both national and in the world. Oh, it's pretty amazing to be um, included in uh, something so special like that. It's, it's hard to win one, not can't even imagine like winning the three, right? I never even thought of that. Um, it was a dream come through winning two and uh, to win a third is uh, pretty exciting. So uh, it's, uh, we're just letting it all soak in and we're riding it out and then we're going to get ready for worlds. You know, I just have to touch on, you mentioned the marbles comments and that set everybody off in the chat because every <laughs> every week at the end of Friday's show, we take everyone that's with us on YouTube and put them in for a marble race. And we give out some hoodies and some stuff from Canadian clubs. So, uh, you know, we will have a Carrie Anderson marble in the race on Friday, even if you're not oh, able to it. join us. And uh, I'll let you know if you win, we'll have a nice package for you from our from uh, your friends here at uh, here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Carrie, um, 
let's just talk about the week overall because uh by the way i've got to personally thank you guys now that we can bet on curling we went heavy on you guys to win the group and then uh so i mean that was very nice i've many people here thanking you for that and i mean you just steamrolled everybody eight and oh and then with the weird format with having to play a game to get into the one two that was the one game that you lost and frankly in a big picture probably the worst time to lose a game how did you guys handle that loss and um you know getting it back together right away and running the table to another championship through saturday and sunday yeah probably wasn't uh, the ideal time to uh, lose a game but uh with how we put ourselves in um how we did so well in the round robin and put ourselves uh one game further in um that playoff round um helped and uh even though that we lost we weren't worried we were still playing so well that uh we knew that our backs were against the wall and we had to come out shooting and um we were playing some really great teams our last three games and uh we put some pressure on them and uh uh whenever we got an opportunity we took advantage of it so uh that was definitely key to our success this week was uh forcing our opportunity our opponents to uh, make them more difficult shots. And uh, when we had those opportunities, we took advantage. You know, and uh, I mean, one of the unfortunate sides just for Manitoba curling fans was the fact that both your team and the flurry rink lost on Friday. And I mean, many of us were sort of looking at, all right, we're going to maybe have a one, two matchup and then an all Manitoba final. And all of a sudden, the two of you guys are going at it, arguably the top two ranked teams in the field in a do-or-die game. Um, I mean, that was a game that obviously you and your teammates had to just forget about Friday night step up. And, uh, man, were you guys able to do that? Yeah, we didn't play bad in that loss. We just uh, didn't uh, capitalize when we had opportunities. And uh, we knew that we were still playing so well that um, – we just had to park that loss and move forward, and that's what we did. We knew uh, Tracy and her team were playing really well, so that we had to play well. And um, we got down early, but we never ever gave up, and we came back with some big ends uh, to take control in that game. Well, and then against uh, Crawford in the the semis, um, I, we wanted another shot at them, and we uh, we came out and we got a hammer, and we took control right from the first end and never looked back. You know, you mentioned not getting down and keeping up a positive atmosphere. I mean, um, you know, we had Reed on the program, and I was asking about the game against Manitoba and uh, the young Mackenzie Zacharias rink, and I mean, you guys gave up a five spot. What was it in like the second end? And I mean, at your level. I mean, usually giving up a fiver is almost a death sentence. And yet you guys continue to battle back and ended up winning, I think, 10-7. I mean, where do you guys get that from? And the one thing Reed said, what he couldn't believe, and he was going to try and take that with his team to the Viterra, was just how positive you guys were after, frankly, a bit of a disastrous end. I mean, where does that come from? Is that the victories and the success you guys have had before? Just how much you believe in each other that no matter the score, you're going to be able to get it done? Yeah, I think so. We just don't uh, don't let those things get us down because as soon as you do that, then you're just kind of going to deflate everything. So uh, we just it was like it's early. We still have uh, eight ends of game left, and uh, we knew that uh, with our experience, if we can uh, uh, get some rocks in play and make that big shot um, to get back in the game, uh, that we could still uh, win this game. 
I know we were in the position before where we got five in the second end and we ended up losing. So we knew that it was possible to come back from. So we just never gave up. And that's a big thing uh, with our team is uh, we're just um, such great shooters and that we don't give up uh, even though when we're down. You know, Kerry Anderson, the uh, three-time now defending Scotty's champ is with us. They're headed to the world championships. We'll get to that in a minute. But I do want to ask you, from your, pers- from your perspective and your job as the skip who has that last rock, um, you know, at this level, I mean, it can be, heck, we saw it in the mix for Holman and Morris. I mean, literally, the difference between winning and losing can be a couple millimeters, and everything is so important. When you're in the hack for the final shot with the game on the line, I mean, do you have a clear head? Are you are you just focusing on the line? I mean, like what's going on between the ears of a championship skip with the game on the line and the last rock in your hand? Um, I just uh, kind of tone everything out. Just if I'm throwing a draw, I'm focusing on bringing my sweepers into play and uh, thinking on the speed, uh, thinking back to previous draws. Um, and just kind of just relax, just not overthinking it and just get in the hack and just, okay, I want to throw this and just throw it, throw it to make it. And uh, we did that this week. We just threw it to make it and weren't afraid to make those big shots when we needed to. Have you always been that way? Or I mean, is that a skill that you acquire from ups and downs and winning a lot, but also learning lessons from losing? Yeah, we definitely learned a lot from losing. Uh, when you lose, um, you you gain those uh, experiences. And uh, um, I know it sucks to lose. I hated it, but uh, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't. So we just learned so much from all of our tough losses and took that uh, going forward and uh, uh, knew what it took to win. So now it's uh, just keeping that, um, keeping that easy composure out there and just uh, playing loose. Carrie Anderson with us. Um... Carrie, you know, it's so easy for us and often it happens, you know, when people just focus in on the skip because, you know, you're watching the highlights if you're not watching the game and there's the last shot. Uh, But I mean, this is an incredible team game and you, your team and the women on your squad have come together to be, um, well, as we said, I mean, doing some historic things right now. Tell us about putting that team together and uh, why uh, Brianne and Shannon and Val have become, uh, you know, such great teammates and you guys together have done such special things. My team is absolutely amazing. I wouldn't be where I am today without them. Um, they make my shots for me. <laughs> There's that the sweeps that they do end to end, and I just look at them. I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm like, just killing you out there. But um, uh, we all do anything. We'd all do anything to win. So um, they're such. Uh, um, they work so hard on and off the ice. And um, when we put this team together, everyone just really embraced their roles. Um, no one thought four skips can do it, but here we are today. And uh, with the, the drive and uh, willing power to win, that um, you can do anything. So uh, Brianne, like when I asked Brianne to play, she's such a touch player, great at draws. She's tall, strong. Uh, I knew she would make a really great sweeper and a shot maker. Shannon has brought so much positive energy as well, and she's strong, and she could throw those high, hard ones when you need it. And um, Val as well is just 
all around just an amazing player and very smart with the game strategy wise. And uh, she definitely um, helps keep things uh, calm for me if I'm not seeing something right or, you know, she uh, she's been such a great third for me and supportive, uh, taking over that supportive role. And um, I just can't thank my teammates enough. How, um, I mean, you mentioned it's very unique to bring four skips together and try and create a team. And I'm sure there's some pitfalls to all of that. Um, but you mentioned, I mean, just how seamless, I mean, you look at, I mean, well, like, listen, the record speaks for itself. You guys have won, won three straight Canadian championships, but was there growing pains at all with the squad earlier on when you put it together to sort of learn how to use everything that you all bring together to um, be the best team possible playing for the other women. I mean, some significantly different roles than they've probably been in the majority of their curling careers. Oh, for sure. There was lots of growing pains um, and uh, even physical pain uh, for the girls because they weren't uh, used to sweeping. And now they just like go to Cairo and physio and all that stuff to maintain their bodies. Um, it's crazy, but we worked so incredibly hard, um, to, um, get everything together and to be where we are today. Um, and that comes from coaching and, um, working off ice with, um, uh, sports psychologists or even physical, like in the gym constantly, uh, those girls are absolutely ripped. <laughs> they, uh, they're they so incredibly strong, and uh, I really do have the best sweepers uh, in the world. Um, Carrie, uh, now uh, World Championships. Well, first of all, what what's next? Um, is there anything, will you guys be playing before the world? This is such a strange season right now with the way everything's been screwed up by the virus. Um, um, fill us in on uh, what's next for your team before you're throwing rock, rocks trying to win a world championship. Well, for us right now, we're just going to take a week off and let things sink in and enjoy our family time. And, uh, and then we're going to get into some training um, in the weeks to come. So uh, we're going to get out with Reed again, and he's going to put us through our paces and uh, make us sweep and yeah, he's uh, he's been a great addition to our team, and he definitely has uh, helped with our success. Yeah, how did and, that come together? You know, he actually mentioned that, you know, this, and, and originally he didn't even think he'd be able to do it until they mm -hmm. changed when the Viterra men's, and funny things always sort of seem to happen for a reason, but you know, we know Reed, I mean, incredible curler. He's done it from the skip position, other positions, uh, and, and just a really great dude and a very positive guy. But tell us about how that came together and, uh, you know, the influence maybe of a new voice with your team and how it helped you in Thunder Bay. Yeah, we um, when Heather told us that she wasn't going to be joining us for the Scotties, we we're like, OK, well, who are we going to get? And we sat down and thought of some names and then Reed's name came up and we we're like, I think he could be a really great fit. Um, he's coached before. He's done curling camps. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. So when I phoned him, he was very much excited. And uh, he, he was like, Okay, well, I got to see if what's happened with the Viterra, you know, if that's a goal, then no, I can't because they will conflict. And so I was just hoping that it would be postponed and uh, got the call and it was so I was pretty excited and called the girls and yeah, we got started right away. We started uh, practicing and Reed was showing us different practice plans and holding the broom for us. And um, he's just been absolutely amazing. He keeps it light for us 
tells us so much jokes and, um, you know, just keeps us laughing. And I think that has definitely brought new energy to our team. Hey, Carrie, uh, just when it comes to practicing, how challenging is it just to get the entire team together? I mean, how often do you do that? Um, because, I mean, you are living in different areas. I mean, even if you're in Gimli in the city, I mean, it's not like a 10-minute drive down to the rink. I mean, how do you guys handle all that, especially with Val being uh, someone that, uh, you know, isn't a native Manitoban? Yeah, we weren't able to throw with Val before, but uh, we've been playing long enough that um that i know how she throws and uh but we kept in touch we facetimed her during our practices let her know our practice plan we did our check-ins with her and then also um my team will either will meet in petersfield kind of meet halfway or i'll go into the city one day so we kind of just split it up so not one of us or all of us are doing all of the traveling well, listen, practice, practice makes perfect. And you guys were just about perfect, but perfect enough to win a third championship. Um, now listen, it's such a great story. We, you know, a lot of people were pulling for you guys to get that, that chance to participate at the Olympics, but uh, we know there'll be more of that. You got to the Canadian championships, get that world championship, and then, uh, you know, uh, another four years. And uh, maybe we'll talk. I guess that that is the ultimate goal pretty much for every team at your level of curling, right? I mean, you know, you want to win the Scotties. You've done that. You want to keep doing it. You continue it, a world uh, championship. And uh, I mean, certainly the Olympic Games and the fact that it's every four years makes the pressure involved in that. I mean, that much higher. Yeah, um, that's definitely was our goal putting this team together is that we wanted to get to the Olympics. Um, unfortunately, the trials didn't go the way we wanted and we weren't um, as sharp then. But we parked that and we knew that um, we wanted to get back to the world stage. So and uh, get another opportunity to uh, wear that maple leaf on our backs. So uh, for us to get that opportunity again in Prince George, where it was supposed to be all starting for us, <laughs> is pretty amazing. So we're definitely going to take full advantage of that and be ready for it. Well, I can tell you what, this entire province will be uh, behind you uh, in Prince George. It's been such a great story. And um, listen, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I know how busy you are. A lot of people that want a piece of your time after coming back and, you know, a little bit of celebration. You got to have time with the family. But uh, tell you what, everyone here with us today really appreciates both what you guys have done for curling in the province and in Canada. And uh, can't wait to pull for you guys in Prince George. Uh, thank you so much, Andrew, for having me. Carrie, have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, hey, invite open for when you come back and you can show off that gold medal after you come back from BC. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. Okay, uh, give her a follow on Twitter at Kay Einerson and uh, make sure you follow the Einerson team at Einerson team on Twitter. They do some great updates uh, for, uh, for what the women are doing. And uh, uh, listen, I mean, uh, you know, I've been talking about this for a number of weeks since we were out in uh, in Saskatoon. Um, you know, we are spoiled here for curling fans with the incredible teams. I mean, even just in the Scotties with Jen Jones being, uh, you know, overseas at the Olympics, the Anderson rank, the Flurry rank, who have been the number one ranked team for the majority of the year. And of course, Mackenzie Zacharias and, uh, you know, the uh, her young team that's now, you know, Manitoba champs doing their thing. It's been uh, it's a great time for curling in Manitoba as it continues to be. Uh, we'll switch our focus to Jen Jones and her team out in Beijing. And then in a few weeks, we'll uh, be talking about Carrie Anderson. And of course, speaking of uh, curling, uh, tomorrow, the Viterra Men's Championship gets going. And a couple just notes on that. 
Um, you know, our pal Reed Carruthers, he's back with Mike McEwen. Uh, they're back in it, looking to win the Manitoba Championship. And an interesting change of heart by our guy, Jason Gunlickson. We've had Gunner on a couple times over the course of the years. Gunner had put out a tweet a week or two ago saying that, you know, because of the virus, he, uh, you know, didn't feel that it was right to be playing in, you know, some bubble or non-bubbled environments and wasn't going to be playing. Uh, he's had a change of heart. And that's great news for the event because he's such a strong skip. I mean, uh, without the event last year, he was the Manitoba representative at the Briar. Um, so you want to have your best in the in the best event of the year and certainly having Gunner play and skip for his squad. And of course, the McEwen rink there will be two of the top teams that we'll be paying attention to at the Viterra Men's Championship. We'll keep you up to date on that throughout the week uh, and into next week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk with their Princess Auto Curling Reports. All right, a big shout out to our friends over at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. I should have sent the DQ cake over to Carrie. For their big win a little congratulations nothing better for a congratulations party birthday party or whatever you're celebrating than a dq ice cream cake you can get those at any of the four nick and nicky dqs dq niverville dq northgate dq polo park and dq saint Anne's. uh and if you'd like hit them up on instagram at dq manitoba let them know what you're looking for they'll customize it and get it ready for you to pick up quick and easy at any of the four nick and nicky dqs and while you're there pick up a uh, blizzard maybe some of the novelties and definitely check out an ultimate grill burger and maybe those buffalo chicken fingers as well and as carrie mentioned getting in on the marbles well we will certainly have a carrie anderson marble in on friday and you know when we do marbles here on winnipeg sports talk uh we've got some great prizes courtesy of our friends at canadian club shout out to colin jensen our reigning marbles champion uh colin will be back trying to defend the belt on friday against a number of on of uh, of challengers including carrie um but that should be a heck of a lot of fun of course february big month for canadian club if you pop by your local manitoba liquor marts you'll see the canadian club displays uh cc original cc 100 rye and cc 12 year reserve all on sale all month long in february you can pick that up at your local manitoba liquor mart so we'll get to our cool bet lines in a minute uh but let's get michael remus back in here uh, uh man i have a feeling you know after these few interviews talking jets and talking curling we're going to get news of about another dozen signings in the canadian football league but uh Remo, let's pop in. What a fun show we've had. I mean, great to have John Hodge with all that CFL news. Jamie Thomas was great getting us ready for the Jets and Wild tonight. And I got to tell you, I mean, uh, you know me, big curling fan, was so fired up to see Carrie and her team get it done again. And uh, it was so much fun having her on the program. She was fantastic. Yeah, not too often you get to talk to a back-to-back-to-back Scotty's champion. It's only happened uh, three other times. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty awesome for Carrie to take the time. Uh, to join us here and we're talking with john you know he's keeping track of all these cfl signings and jamie as well on the jets so we're covering everything here and this has been a real fun show it's starting off yesterday too yesterday was we had a lot to get to as well coming up out of the weekend so this has been uh this has been a great one and thanks to everyone uh everyone in chat who's uh said hi and uh click the thumbs up uh, as well speaking of very fun shows you know, we should let people know about this. Tomorrow's sort of a, a special day. Well, an infamous day, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, we are about, oh, I don't know, 17 hours away from the anniversary of a certain text that led to a certain conference call that led to turning the lights out at a former workplace of uh, my, at Michael's. 
<laughs> um, so tomorrow, and I think we're going to probably do this into Thursday. So we've got enough time to do it all, but, uh, yeah. to, uh, commemorate and remember our station and our friends and the voices that were on, um, it's going to be a bit of a 1290 reunion for the next couple days. I can tell you, and we're working on times for all of it, but we are going to have Rick Ralph, Jim Toth, Troy Westwood, Brandon Rewicki, Kevin O, um, hopefully Ryan Brandt, and I'd imagine as long as bombing is not busy, bombing as well. And, um, you know, we'll just catch up with all the guys. I mean, some of the guys, you know, we've seen them do other things. Some of them are busy doing things outside of the, the spotlight and maybe have been less active on social media. Um, so I tell you what, Remo, I mean, those were some of the best years of all of our lives. And uh, I know that, you know, we're lucky to be doing this each and every day. Uh, but there's a lot of people that will uh, be, re I think, really excited to hear from uh, all of our pals from 1290. So uh, a little bit of a reunion this week coming on uh, February 9th of all days. We'll start it off tomorrow and I think take it through the 10th. Yeah, a lot of people have messaged us saying, oh, it's coming up on the one year. And you know, it's nice to do something fun, talk to some, uh, talk to some people who we haven't had on for a while. I'm excited to see uh, Rick. Uh, on the show, Kevin O, uh, Jim, you know, I don't know if we're competing with him or not, but we do work, do a show at the same time. So, uh, nice of him. I don't know to, what you're talking about. <laughs> nice of him to, to join us. So lots, uh, lots to get to uh, as well. You know, with the bombers, uh, and the free agency, uh, the jets, you know, it'd be nice to talk about a win tomorrow. Um, oh. it would be really nice because it's so it's so much fun, you know, talking about the Bombers going back to back and you talk about Kerry Einerson back to back to back and then you bring up the Jets and it's kind of just so uh, deflating. Let's win a game. For the entire chat. It's like, <laughs> oh no, dude. Like we talked to Rashid Bailey last week and then we did the Jets talk after. And everyone's like, oh no, I don't want to talk about Jets. So we all, I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was talk about Rashid Bailey going into the Jets dressing room and give like a pregame speech to get those guys going. I mean, that is the one thing I left. And if you if you missed the Rashid Bailey interview, folks, go back and check it out. I mean, we've talked to hundreds, thousands of people on this show and previous shows beforehand. I mean, Rashid Bailey is right up with the most energetic, passionate guest I have ever had. And when he was talking about his team, the city of Winnipeg, this organization, I mean, it could not help. If I'm selling season tickets for the Bombers, I'm basically just taking that, making a 30-second clip, and putting the phone number in the email to get tickets in because, I mean, you wanted to run through a wall for the, uh, for, for the guy after hearing it. And that's exactly, Remo, the sort of emotion I think the Winnipeg Jets need. And I don't know where you sum uh, summon that. I don't know how you manufacture it. Um, but I'll tell you what, they are going to need to be pulling on the same rope and bringing, a, a, you know, a good energy level to this game tonight because it sure as heck isn't going to be easy against the Minnesota Wild, but this entire hill they've got to climb won't be easy, and it's got to start with one game and better tonight than down the road because the clock is ticking. Yeah, I know we've said this before. Season starts today. We're kind of hanging on here. You know, you're dangling like uh, Tom Cruise in an action movie with one hand off the cliff and hopefully the jets can pull themselves up here and get a win. Uh, you know, we had some, uh, wild fans trolling us in the, uh, in our YouTube comments of the last video saying, Oh, it sounds like uh, the wild are going to put up another touchdown with all these names out of the jets line. I'm notably Dubois and, uh, and Neil Pionk. Um, but 
you know, the Jets have before have been down guys and, you know, they've had the a Manitoba Moose makeshift uh, defense and they've come up with wins like the game against St. Louis. And, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not losing hope that they can pull out or just, yeah, one at a time. Let's go. Let's start it off uh, tonight. Just have a good performance. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I'm just in a great mood. I was telling you off air beforehand. Um, I woke up. I had already won a couple bets on the uh, Japanese women and uh, Finland in regulation and women's hockey after the Canada game. Uh, I went to Sal's for breakfast, which always puts me in a great mood. And the fact that I went outside wearing a sweatshirt. In fact, just going outside first yes. and foremost was a victory because of how damn cold it's been lately. Uh, but it was just such a breath of fresh air. And I know the predicament for the team is ugly right now. Um, but you know what? Let's not lose sight of the fact that what we've been through and the fact that we haven't been able to go to games and the games haven't been played and everything that's happened over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I'm still, I still feel fortunate that we've got a team back here that we have the opportunity to watch NHL hockey here in Winnipeg. And, uh, I'll be there tonight. Might see some of you there as well. I'm going to try and get to a few of these games with the half crowds right now, because as Remus, you said, I mean, yeah, you'll be there, get a little bit more room. Maybe it'll be a little bit more on the fans to generate some energy yeah. and emotion to help the team, because there wasn't a lot of that in the 250 person games, uh, both on the ice or in the stands. And hopefully that'll seem a little bit different tonight because, uh, man, I think all parties involved need it, man. I feel like if you would, there's tickets available. Um, for a get-in price, lowest tickets right now at that fansfirst.ca secondary ticket market. Uh, free plug for them. 35 bucks in row two in the upper deck if you want to go to the game. Wow. That sounds like a steal to me. Uh, if I didn't already have plans, I would, uh, I would pick those up. That is a, that is a steal. I, I think, guess there's some still hockey. some people. I guess there's still some people that are... I don't know, freaked out about COVID or, yeah, or, I, or or something like that, that, you know, a part of it. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, you know, if everyone that has, um, you know, parents that are older, um, you know, you're worried about yeah. their, their situation, you know, they might not feel comfortable going to those games. And, um, you know, I guess the other thing is that people have been hesitant, like of all the times to go to a game, are you going to go to one now? Uh, because there still has been opportunity. Like if you got, if you had season tickets, like I do, you had three of the games, whatever taken away, you got an update on your credit and you had the opportunity to maybe buy some tickets for other games. Um, all that being said, I'm going tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I'll mask up. I'll do whatever. We, last call is now past 10 o'clock. You'll be nice. Might be able to go and have a couple after the game somewhere downtown. That'll be great for those downtown businesses that have been sitting around doing nothing as we have had no people in the building. Um, and you know what? Just hopefully another step back a little closer towards normalcy. Um, but, you know, we'd all love to see a team that was on a big run in front of sold out crowds packed to the Raptors. Probably isn't happening anytime soon, but a win tonight and just having some asses in seats, Remo, on a day where we actually got above zero, I think will uh, will suffice for people in Winnipeg considering what the last couple months have been like around here. Oh, yes. Even just going outside, I agree. I was pleasantly surprised uh, when I went outside to uh, take my son to daycare, and I was like, oh, man, this is this is heavenly, honestly. I mean, it's been like minus 20, you know, and below. I mean, minus. It was, I asked Alexa this morning, I said, what's, what's the temperature? And she said, you know, zero. I, like, my eyes popped out of my stock. Excuse me? Like, excuse, yeah, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> For real? Uh, that's I, incredible. 
I did the on my way to Sal's this morning. I, I I rolled the window down, and you know the uh, you know that gif of um, Jeff Bridges in the Big Lebowski, where he's just got the window open, he's just rocking mm-hmm. down. That was yeah. me on Pembina. Little bit of wind in the air, you know, just you know enjoying what felt like about twenty degrees above because it's oh. been that much different from the way it's been i guess it's going to get a little chilly again tomorrow and then thursday it's going to be nice again and then we'll get back into some seasonal or a little below seasonal weather but just as long as it's not i mean when you go two weeks without it ever cracking above like minus 23 or minus 24 um you know there's nothing like a day like this and a little bit of weather to help the mental health temporarily and i'll tell you what for a lot of jet fans a win would also be like a day above zero so We'll see whether the club can get that done tonight, although it is going to be tough, especially with the guys that are out of the lineup. Um, why don't we check the uh, lines for Kubat tonight, Reem? Um, we do have the Boston Bruins at home to the Penguins, minus 132 for Boston. I did jump on them on the lock shop. Uh, the Habs, minus 105 against the Devils, who played last night against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, and then two teams that played last night, the Canes lost an OT to the Leafs, and the Sens... Uh, we're victorious over New Jersey. Carolina minus 227 favorites uh, against Ottawa. And you can get them on the puck line at minus one and a half. Uh, the Jet line right now, uh, Jets are plus 125 to win at home. Minnesota Wild minus 147. I'm taking the under six and a half in this game. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets obviously don't have a ton of their offensive weapons. And uh, hey, if they're going to win this game, they're going to need to play some tight defense, hopefully keep it a low event game, help out Connor Hellebuck, manufacture a couple goals and get it done without getting into a shootout. Uh, and certainly given Carol Kaprizov and uh, his mates a whole bunch of options on uh, Connor Hellebuck. They haven't a lot, of, a lot of success keeping the wild off the scoreboard so far this year. Hopefully they'll do it tonight. I got the under six and a half in that game. Uh, Caps minus 244 favorites against the Blue Jackets. Vegas, a minus 118 road favorite in Edmond to take on the Oilers. Big Pacific Division game. And the Canucks, a minus 244 favorite against the Arizona Coyotes. Of course, if you're uh, new to CoolBet, head to CoolBet.com. Use the promo code WST on your first deposit and they'll double it up to $200 for you over at coolbet.com. And if you missed it, just before we went live with Winnipeg Sports Talk, Dustin Nielsen and I went into the lock shop with another edition. We hit the NHL tonight, some NHL season futures, cup odds, uh, the waste management open, as well as a number of Olympic picks for uh, some men's hockey, curling, and I even dropped a, uh, a big air snowboarding pick in there as well. So, uh, Get the lock shop wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also check it on Twitter. Uh, I boosted it or uh, at Nielsen TSN 1260. Give Dusty a follow. You bet on big air snowboarding. Where do I find that? Uh, Okay. So if you go to the site, you click on Beijing, like underneath, you know, on the side, go on Beijing and then everything is there. So let's go down to snowboarding. Oh, snowboarding. Oh, big air men. Big air men's winner. Seb Toots. And uh, no, you know what? I think I think there's some real value on uh, Marcus Cleveland at 450. I mean, really? he's number one ranked in the world. I think that Morris McMorris and Max Perot, because of the amount of action coming in on Canada, has probably taken their number down a little bit and undervalued Cleveland. Uh, but he's the number one big air snowboarder in the world. 
Um, you know, he missed the gold medal in the slope style. That was Canada's day. I have a feeling it's going to be Norway's wow. day, but um, I, I'd love to be wrong if it can be Mark McMorris or Max Perot getting back on top of the podium. But I do like uh, like Marcus Cleveland. And uh, well, while we're talking about it, ice hockey men gets going this evening. I am very worried about this Canada Germany game. Germany is plus two eighty. I don't know. It's very unpatriotic to bet against Canada, but uh, put it this way: Canada's not going on any of my parlays because I think this is a real tough spot for them. And the Germans were great last Olympics when we didn't have the uh, the pros. Uh, I like Sweden. I like Finland and the United States. Uh, those three favorites against Latvia, Slovakia, and the host Chinese. If you put those three together, you get plus 145. So uh, we put a little chunk on that. Uh, and just in case you're wondering, the uh, winner of the event, where do we have here? We, oh, there's all sorts of events. You can get tournament top goal scorer. Yeah, look. Vadim Chipachev, Vegas Golden Knight legend. Vadim Chipachev, uh, the uh, odds on favorite at seven to one. And Mikhail Grigorenko at nine to one, Reem. Nikita Gusev, 14 to one. Number of the Russians up at the top of this list. Uh, you got tournament top point scorer as well. Um, and then. Numbers for tournament winner, the uh, Russians plus 175 are your favorites. Finland at three to one, Canada seven to one, Sweden eight, Czech Republic nine, Swiss 15, and the Germans 25, USA 20 to one, Slovakia 50 to one. Uh, there's also numbers to reach the final, to reach the semifinals, and tournament top three, meaning get a medal. You can check all of those over at coolbet.com and uh, make sure to get your wager in before they drop the puck on the tournament later on tonight. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, Marco Dano, former Jet, he's there with Slovakia. I follow him on Instagram. He's been taking in all the events. Um, I did enjoy seeing Carl Klingberg here on the list. Former Jet and uh, Ice Cap, 17-1 to be the top goal scorer. Michael Frolik, former Jet Ooh. as well. Um, we know Eric O'Dell is playing for Canada. Eddie Pasquale, former Ice Cap, is in there. I'm trying to think who who else. I did enjoy the China odds to win the tournament. Is that like... Sven Andraghetto, Spencer but, Fu, yeah, Matt some... Berniers, Dominic Cahoon. Man, what about Terry Filipula? What Filipula's about still playing? Yo, man, I love seeing it. What about USA at 20 to 1? Uh, I know they're going with a younger team this year. I'm curious how they're going to do. I know they're playing China, so we can't really take anything away. But I do appreciate Coolbet putting in the odds. You know, I did a, I'll never forget, like, doing fantasy drafts for the Olympics back in, like, 06. I did one and, you know, did pools in 2010 and 14. I don't know if too many people are doing Olympic hockey pools with <laughs> non-NHL players, but hey, there's Rome, Roman Cervanka's top point scorer. I remember him as well. Um, so there are some uh, familiar names here, but not you know the names we thought we were going to see maybe uh, when the season started. Yeah, oh, and by the way, Jay, Jay Miller mentioning Eichel soon. Uh, yeah, you want to get in on the Knights on their uh, cup odds? You might want to do it today because uh, as soon as Eichel gets back, if he blows up right off the bat, that number is going to probably go down quite a bit. Colorado still the uh, heavy, heavy favorite to win the cup and come out of the West. Well, tell you what, that was an awesome show. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Um, we'll look forward to this game tonight. I see guys and Kenny and Rennie will fire it up after the game. Make sure to check those dudes out. And uh, tomorrow on the program, we will have Mike McIntyre join us. Uh, Marat will be on 
Thursday. Ken will be on Friday, sort of our regular Jets guests. Um, and then the next couple days, a bit of a 1290 reunion, having a whole bunch of the boys back, uh, whether it's tomorrow or Thursday, we're looking forward to talking to KO, Rick, Jim, Troy, Brandon, hopefully Ryan Brandt, bombing, uh, maybe Munz as well over the course of this week. Mm -hmm. Munz will have lots to talk to us about the, about the ice. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get the old boys back together. It should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but first and foremost, uh, Looking forward to this game tonight. Going to be great to get back into the rink. It'll be great to be talking about it with you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. A huge thank to the champ, 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 Kerry Anderson for joining us today. To John Hodge for the great CFL free agency segment. Check out 3 Down Nation for all the latest. They've got a great tracker going on right now. And of course, Jamie Thomas from Jets Radio 680 CJOB for popping by the program as well. And uh, this show doesn't happen if we don't have the great support that we do from our awesome family of sponsors, including Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club Whiskey, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health, and F Apparel. Um, Remo, great stuff today, man. And uh, these next few days should be a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, you know what would make it better? A Jets win tonight. I don't want to be coming here tomorrow all all depressed, being like, what's going on with this team? We need more from Like, how much time can we talk about how uh, their playoff hopes are dwindling away? Uh, Positive vibes season, going into tonight. Season starts today. It starts today, Huss. I, I think Tikona Pauly, I liked his... I liked his uh, and if you look in Jets history, there's been a lot of times where it seemed like all was yes. lost. There was no one in the lineup. And they came up with a big performance. Who knows what the Wild are going to look like in the first game out oh, of the break as well. Don't don't you know first game after the All-Star break on the road narrative? Haven't you heard of that? <laughs> Come on. That's first game on the road. Yeah, they're all, they've been traveling and uh, they were, first they had to go on their vacations. You know, I see guys in Mexico with sunny destinations. They go to Minnesota, then they go to Winnipeg. No, they're gonna be. They're gonna come be on jet down lagged. to Winnipeg. Yeah. Ease back in. Ease back into the season. Wild. You guys are twenty eight and ten. The last thing you need to is you know get too ahead of yourselves going into the second half of the season. I should look at home teams now. Uh, now tonight, <laughs> I think about think about the first game after the. You just created a narrative. great narrative for uh, for our cool betters uh, out there. Um, yeah. Anyways, a great show today. Thanks again, Carrie. John, and of course, Jamie for joining us and everyone in the chat was an awesome show today. Folks, if you can tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, make sure you hit the red subscribe button, hit the thumbs up before you leave and join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. A little 1290 reunion and the latest on the Jets with Mike McIntyre. Enjoy tonight's tilt. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.